0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's show was recorded on August the 1st, 2017. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, my number one pitch. (laughs) Caffeine rage. On today's show, we will of course be discussing the games that we played, We'll be determining the value of games in a general topic. We'll be pitching you a couple of game ideas in another general topic. We'll discuss a couple of hidden gems that we've picked out.
1: In another general topic.
0: We'll have our weekly community corner and our Steam weekly Discovery queue. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. How are you?
1: I'm actually doing pretty good. Uh, better than the uh, house near me.
0: Yeah, there's another house fire close to you.
1: Yeah, uh, I do apologize for any background noise, but eh, you put up with uh, noise I already put out, so what the hell at this point?
0: If it makes you feel better, I can't hear anything coming through your mic, so... Well, there
1: isn't anything going on right now, but uh, the thing is that uh, about, oh, I will say an hour or two ago, it was just a fire truck. Oh, another fire truck. Oh, an ambulance. Oh, here comes uh, the fire trucks from a different fire department. Oh, here comes uh, the ones from... The other direction. Oh, here comes the ones from across the fucking river. Oh, here comes the ones from another town from across the fucking river.
0: Pretty much every podcast that I've ever listened to has an episode every once in a while where the, like, fire trucks or cop cars or ambulances or something can be heard in the background. So I'm not too worried about it.
1: Well, at least it's better than my recording of RimWorld, where uh, in the background I was just hearing for four episodes worth before I decided wasn't worth the effort to try to fix that audio. So Siren was probably, uh, you know, would probably be more desirable than, you know, just Cat and Heat. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. I'm
0: having a better week this week than the last few weeks. Uh, Well, when I say better, I mean more organized. I had a I had a chat with my boss about how he needs to slow his roll with giving me all this work. <laughs> uh, here
1: I was thinking uh, your boss was saying, "Okay, now don't fuck this one. Don't fuck this one. Okay, maybe fuck this one a little bit."
0: <laughs> no, no, definitely not. But after give this like, one the
1: fidget spinner, if you know what I mean. Actually, that does sound like a really bad uh, sex term, you know yeah i uh, give him the
0: fidget spinner yeah. <laughs> now i wonder if that's like a superman a clumsy superman a fidget spinner is a clumsy superman <laughs> or uh or maybe like a a sped up helicopter
1: <laughs> oh where have we
0: gone Rega- but basically the point i was trying to make before it got so derailed there's no coming back <laughs> I'm not having to work as much from this week forward as I was the last few weeks, so things are leveling out for me. I do have to get up at fucking 6 in the morning and leave my house at 6.30 to go get supervision tomorrow, so that's going to be fun. But, you know, I'll get used to it eventually.
1: So, basically, you're going to be the one on high uh, on caffeine.
0: Yeah. I've already got everything ready for tomorrow. My backpack's ready. I got all my clothes sitting out in the kitchen so that I can just get up and, like, leave the bedroom and hopefully not wake Katie up. Then I've got a cup of coffee, like, pre-made. All I gotta do is push the button on my little...
1: I was about to say, I hope that, you know, uh, you're waiting until in the morning to have it made. Yeah, I gotta put... Well, all I gotta well unless push you're into cold brew, my ninja. I, mean, unless, I, like, I like cold brew. Well, you know, cold brew iced coffee. I mean, you can make that uh, beforehand, but... Uh, I'm not sure if that would wake you up quite as much. Well, oh, cold brew does have more caffeine in it, just because, you know, it brews for longer.
0: Yeah, it's less acidic as well. But, no, I got it all ready, and all I got to do is push the button on my, my ninja. All right, and get Frank. Get my cup of coffee. So, I'm, I'm ready to go. So, like, I mean, as soon as we're done here, I'm going to skedaddle into <laughs> into bed.
1: Well, I, I hope Katie doesn't mind uh, changing the sheets if you do that. Ooh.
0: <laughs> oh, but uh, yeah, I had a had a had an interesting week of games that I played. So let's just go ahead and go talk about the games that we played
1: this week. Well, obviously, we're actually going to talk first. about games. Yeah,
0: obviously you're going to go first, but when I get to my
1: games, you'll see why I felt like it was interesting. Yeah, I'm looking at your list and thinking, boy, I, I don't think any of these would hold my attention for very long. <laughs> nope. <laughs> um, uh, and I'm talking about your entire list, by the way. You might be wrong about the last one on the list. That one was actually really good. Yeah, <laughs> oh, but uh, speaking of games that didn't hold my attention for very long, let's start off with Kingdoms and Castles. This is a game that I had a review code of last week, and I decided not to do it last week because I didn't think I would be able to give it the time it warranted. I thought, you know, this would require a couple days worth of play. Oh, boy, was I wrong. <laughs> Ugh yeah the uh, kingdoms of castles this is a town building castle tower defense kind of uh hybrid it's uh, well it's a town builder with a combat element and I was expecting to you know to have to spend some time on it to actually get enough time to uh, really say that I played the game. I put two hours into it and it felt like I played the entire damn thing. Oh shit! I've got Kingdoms and Castles. I got a, re- a review code for it like two yeah, weeks was, ago. Yeah, I was expecting you to play it. That's
0: <laughs> because <laughs> I saw that you had
1: it. It's like, oh, we're gonna be able to post say uh, 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 bad things about this game.
0: I didn't even notice that I had it. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I've I've been busy.
1: Welcome to my world. All problem is that it's more. Uh, yeah, down the road, it's wow. This game sounds really good. This person really sold it to me. I'm going to go check out this game. Maybe put on my wish list. I have this game. <laughs> Where did I get this? Oh, review code. About wow, a year ago. Right. But anyway, Kingdoms and Castles. This is one of those games that I was playing and I you know, I was thinking, you know, this has a nice base to it. And I, I didn't really look at the store page beforehand. I got the review code and uh, looked at the blurb on the uh, site that I use and and the problem is that that's like, if it's an early access game, unless they say it in the base you know, text of the game or on the store page, it doesn't show early access. And I was thinking, wow, you know, this is a nice place for an early access game to start. Then I went to the main page. This is this is a full release, really. My my primary problem with this game is that <laughs> there's not a lot to do in it. Your supply chains are practically non-existent. You have, uh, you mine iron and, uh, uh, quarry stone and you use those for, well, the stone is direct building material and the iron goes to a blacksmith with, uh, coal or sorry, charcoal, uh, that's made in another building. And that's pretty much the extent of, uh, the uh, supply chains. Everything else is just building up your town's population and building up a castle to defend yourself. And that is really it. And it's a shame because it is a very... It's one of those games, it's a very pretty game because it's so simplistic, but it's a a simplistic art style that's done well. If that makes any sense. I'm sure you're looking at the screenshots right now, uh, Jared. Yeah, it's... It's a very clean look.
0: It's like 16-bit cell-shaded?
1: I would go with a really well-done uh, early 3D game. Because yeah. of uh, how... Some, uh, it's a low polygonal uh, count on everything. But there's very, very few buildings and all the different uh, uh, menus. And that's why I was feeling that it was a early access game, that and the fact that it had a build number, or you know, a version number in the upper right-hand corner, which is usually indicative of an early access game. Whenever they do that, they'll show, they'll have that, so whenever they have gameplay on, you know, some uh, random uh, schmuck's of uh, YouTube channel, like gaming with caffeine rage, <clears throat> ding, <laughs> uh, you can see what version you're on. So, yeah, you know, it's that, it, combined with the just sheer lack of content that was making me think that it was a, a early access title without really looking at it and then once I played it and well, went to dive a little deeper and that's when I realized ooh and it's really disappointing because <laughs> uh, up until that point uh, where I kind of hit the wall of content or the uh, I shouldn't even say wall of content I should say the cliff where you know everything dropped off it wasn't bad, but if you look at the screenshots, you can see pretty much it's building up the uh, the town's uh, population, and that's about it.
0: Yeah. I'm browsing through the reviews right now on Steam, and almost everyone points out that it's very Simplistic. simple or content-light or... Yeah, You know, casual, friendly. Like, I've seen a lot of those phrases on the review. Yeah, that's
1: uh, that's pretty much what I s- ended up saying in mine, was that I realized that this isn't a game for me. This isn't for someone that has 200 episodes of RimWorld on YouTube. This is for someone that is wanting to dabble in the town builder, that wants to see what all the hubbub is about, or, you know, to have something to dabble with. This almost feels... Facebook level of complexity, you know? Where it's... Uh, everything's coming from the Viking attacks that happen every so often that you could actually turn off to make it just a pure, very, very simplistic town builder. The dragon attacks, which are, are pretty much the same thing, you know, they show up. And uh, the random fires, which... The, the, the fires, you know, ironically, you know, since... I, Was talking about having background noise because of one today. Uh, appear very randomly, and there's really no rhyme or reason to them. You know, uh, all of a sudden, you know, your farms are on fire. Why? And the fact that also the time scale on everything is so compressed that if you just hit, uh, you know, 3x speed or you fast forward or whatever, you'll go through a year of gameplay and less than a minute. it's it's, pretty quick. And just the combination of the timescale and the really lack of things to do makes it feel even more content-like than what it really is. Hmm. It was disappointing. Very disappointing. Grady, you'd probably be a lot kinder to it, because you are a lot kinder to games than me.
0: I'll check it out this week, and then I can report back next week on it. Yeah, let's since see I ha- you-
1: since I have it. <laughs> yeah, let's see if uh, you're entertained for more than 2 hours with it.
0: <laughs> yeah, cuz I also heavily play this style of game. And I mean, I don't play Rimworld or Dwarf Fortress, but I've played many, many complex city builders and that sort of thing, so
1: Yeah, and, and it also is lacking a lot of quality of life issues that or it has a lot of quality of life issues that really kind of bugged me as well. Like you can't Pre-set a uh, blueprint, for example, like Banished. Uh, Banished is probably a really good allegory with this because uh, uh, Banished was also kind of lambasted for being not quite as complex as it should be. You know, being a little bit on the simple side, but this is even more so. But Banished allowed you to uh, put down your blueprints beforehand for ta- for your buildings, and then just uh, mark them off. with whenever you're ready to build them. This, you have to have all the resources. It's road-based, a uh, building like, well, uh, uh, SimCity, I think, would be a good example, you know, where everything has to be built on a road. The, the modern SimCity, I should say. Yeah, you know, the latest ones. Yeah. It, but the thing is that the roads aren't click and drag. You have to click, 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 and it's very tedious everything revolves around your food supply which you may expect but there's really no reason to try to improve your food supply because there is a bakery which I think improves happiness maybe but it it wasn't very clear what it was doing and honestly everyone just grabbed food from the stockpile and uh, brought it to their house and they were happy with the raw grain and it uses the banished style of everyone hoards a little bit of food and throws it away. So you have to, your actual stockpile isn't the amount of food people actually have access to. It's your sort of your extra, which is kind of throws you off to begin with. Right. And also every house, well, it depends on the size of the house, has a certain number of heads of household either 1, 2, or I think it's 3 for the last one, it may be 4 I not. I can't recall which if it doubles again or not but those are the only ones that actually collect supplies for the household but the fact that a single household uh, or the maximum uh, size could go up to 30 people makes it so that you know, you're relying for on a very small number of people to supply a large population which also causes a problem uh okay. combat is uh, it, it, combat honestly feels more tower defences defense-ish than anything else because everything is built around these well towers and your uh, castle defenses as well you do have ha- access to a, a direct army eventually but it's so simplistic that you're better off just building off ta- uh, building up towers outside of art style, there wasn't a lot I liked about this game as you may expect
0: (laughs) yeah, that's, you know usually how it
1: goes, but that's okay (laughs) wait, wait, are you saying that I'm uh, cynical about games or something? uh, no, I would never (laughs) say that (laughs) out loud (laughs) but, yeah I don't think this is for someone that's uh, a veteran of the genre which is disappointing because I really wanted uh, you know, another uh, town builder, but this is definitely not it. But it seems to be very popular on Steam. It's actually in the top seller, so what the hell do I know?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, there's a, a huge push in, in gaming here in the last few years to make a niche game. And then usually, after a niche game has been made a few years later, someone tries to take a niche game and make it more accessible or mainstream. And this may be
1: one of those attempts. Well, to be fair, RimWorld is basically taking what Dwarf Fortress was and making it more accessible. But it's still, you know, very deep and very challenging. Yeah. So it's more of how simplistic do you make it?
0: Yeah, fair enough. I don't know. I mean, people seem to like it, but it's brand new. So there might be... It was funded on FIG. I think it was the first game funded on FIG, actually.
1: Yeah, that's so. what they say here. It, it succeeded with 725% of its goal. I wonder where they put the rest of the money. <laughs> Into the
0: the art style.
1: Well, to be fair, I, I think I can make something with this art style. That <laughs> That is the thing that we should probably talk about at some point, is retro art styles. Okay. Because maybe that would be something for the general topic list is that uh, there's definitely a fine line between retro art styles being artistic or being uh, a nostalgia driven artistic choice and making up for a lack of artistic skill. (laughs) Right. And I don't think that, that, yeah, this is making up for a lack of artistic skill because everything is done really well with the. Uh, with their, their textures, but you know, there's definitely games out there that you look at that's pixel art that you're thinking, yeah, you're doing this because you couldn't draw, right? <laughs> Admit it, you've seen those games, right?
0: I have, I have, but I I do tend to like. Well, no, I I I really like <laughs> cell shading. <laughs> pixel art's not really my thing, but I love cell shading, and that's don't what get me this, wrong, I
1: do like. Uh, uh, low poly uh, art styles like this, and this is definitely low poly. I mean, just l- look at the trees in the screenshot. It's for Pete's sake. Yeah, that, I mean they're uh, they're green bl- butt plugs.
0: Oh <laughs> yeah, my favorite color and one of my favorite things.
1: Unfortunately, they all have a fidget spinner on them.
0: wah. wah. <laughs> righty. What uh,
1: else did uh, you play? Well I, was go- oh. well, I was going to say the low poly art style is something that's not completely played out like uh, pixel art. So, you know, it does have that going for it. Which okay. is nice. Yeah. Okay, now I'm done. Alright, All right. well, my other game that I played was just starting up the series for The Incredible Adventures of Van Helsing 3. And I'm not terribly far into the game just yet, so we'll have to wait a few months before I really am able to rip it apart. I will say, this one, they definitely changed things up from the previous one. Whew. And I'm not sure if that's a good thing. Uh, The Incredible Adventures of Van Helsing is a... Well, this is the end of a trilogy of action RPGs. And this one, it seems like they were trying to boil things down quite a bit. And they also changed up the character classes, which is a little strange for a third installment. The previous two had essentially the same uh, character classes and had an import system where... You could bring in your character and have the same level and the same skills. But for the third one, uh, they completely removed the class I was playing, which was a little weird. And uh, made it so that the import only carried over the... Essentially the extra advancement points that I never really ground out. So you know, I'm basically starting up a brand new character in the third installment, which is just strange. Even though it's just an overarching story. Granted, because I do have all three, they did uh, include a copy of uh, Van Helsing Final Cut. Which is all three of the games with the third in- with the third game's uh, character system. But I'm not sure if I'm sold on it. What they did was they condensed down a lot of the skills. They condensed down a lot of the talents. And it just feels a lot more simplistic. Which... We'll have to see if the game is able to carry itself on its story, because th- I think that's what's really going to make or break it at this point. Granted, I'm not a huge, huge, huge ARPG fan. I do play a few of them. of fact, this is the fourth one on my channel. After the previous two Van Helsing games and Victor Braun. Which, that is also something uh, kind of interesting, is that of all the... Uh, ARPGs I've played have been kind of a dark fantasy slash horror game. But that's also kind of the metric for uh, ARPGs, isn't it?
0: Yeah, that's pretty common for them. We've talked, I think, on the podcast before about the Van Helsing games, and I've got the first two. But I mean, I'm just not a big fan of them. Like, I got them as a review copy back when I used to write reviews for Left Stick Down. So. Like, I've had them for a long time, I just never got into them because they're not
1: not my thing. Well, we're going to have to see if Torchlight changes that at some point. Yeah. Because uh, Torchlight is uh, one of those games that yes, it does boil down the ARPG genre, but it also doesn't make it overly simplistic and that's where you kind of have to find that really fine line. It's it's uh, kind of coincidental that both my games are rather simplistic examples of their genres this week, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I need to
0: find a sci-fi ARPG. Because, I mean, sci-fi is my thing. I will overlook a lot of stuff for some good sci-fi. So, I'm sure there's there's more than one out there. I Just because I don't yeah. peruse this genre, I don't know about any of them. I have, I think it's called Space Hack which was free some time ago like a couple of years ago I think
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and I've played it and it's okay uh, I probably got farther in it than I have in any other ARPG yeah, but- the, only,
1: the only ARPG I did a quick search and uh, then I remembered uh, the only one I could really think of is one that you can't even play now Dark Spore never heard of it uh, Dark Spore was the sequel to Spore oh okay and it was online only, and they took it offline, uh, I think, earlier this year. It wasn't particularly good. It was it. They, they were trying to do an ARPG with the Spore engine, but was it letting people really go wild with Spore? Like, you know, the first game? Yeah. So it was more you'd get a few parts, but what I think they really should have done with Dark Spore was... You know, uh, okay, fine, you have your abilities tied to parts, but let people build their creatures from scratch and have that also work out for their stats. So, you know, a uh, quadruped would um, possibly be faster if it's built sleek enough, but it would be a lot less tanky, but make something uh, with a lot more bulk and it would move slower, that sort of thing. I'm such looking back, I really want them to try sport again. Granted, this is EA, and there's no way in hell they're gonna do that. But actually put some effort into it. <laughs> yeah. And, and not dumb it down to essentially, well, I would say, middle school level. And it's also kind of weird how, okay, Spore was uh, supposed to be an evolution game, but it played more like a god game. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so another one, a one that I have played, another sci of one I play is Drox Operative, which I talked about it on the show, I think I got it last summer uh, yeah. on the Steam sale, or maybe two summers ago, but it's pretty, I liked Drox Operative, because it, I mean, it's a sci-fi sort of spaceship uh, ARPG, but there's not a lot of direction in the game. Uh, so I was okay with it, since it was sci-fi, but... Uh, It was just like, hey, go discover the story yourself. And I played it for a while, and I was like, I don't know enough about this genre to be able to really dig into it like that.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. I think a lot of AOPGs are in the fantasy or dark fantasy genres just because Diablo is kind of the precursor to a lot of it. Yes, I realize Diablo isn't the only uh, game in town, but you have to admit that they are the biggest. So you'll see a lot of people aping on Diablo. Like how MMOs were uh, taking off from uh, EverQuest, from uh, WoW. So you see a lot of fantasy in the MMO genre, and not a lot of anything else. Yes, there are exceptions, like EVE for example, but you still have a huge fantasy base in both those genres, because that's what people are comfortable with. That's what people know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe someday. I'll keep looking. I should go to the, I think, the Gaming Suggestions subreddit and ask, like, hey, I'm looking for a sci-fi-themed ARPG. Here's the ones that I've tried. What else is out there?
1: (laughs) And then you'll uh, just see a tumbleweed go by. Every
0: every time I've asked for something in Gaming Suggestions, I get that. Like, people are like, we don't know what the fuck it is you're talking about. Because I've actually got some pretty, like... Naval Ops. I went there like a couple of years ago. Like, has there any other games that have ever been made like this? And people are like, Uh, what is this game you're talking about? <laughs> Actually some people who were on there were like, Oh, this looks like it'd be right up my alley. I'm sorry there's not another one, but thanks for telling me this game exists. I'm like, well, you're welcome, I guess. But yeah. Maybe someday. Yeah. Maybe and who someday. knows, I mean maybe Torchlight will be the one for me.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I will say that the first Torchlight wasn't nearly as good as the second one, but it also comes down to really fatigue. Yes, Torchlight uh, 1 uh, technically had different dungeons because of how it was set up, but it, there wasn't any break in between them. Yeah, And it it's all comes down to really a matter of pacing. It's uh, one thing to have a dungeon that has 100 levels. It's another thing to have... 10 dungeons that each have 10 levels. Which is still, you know, massively, uh, uh, probably uh, just absolutely huge. And something that most people wouldn't want to go through. Yeah. But it's the same basic idea. You know, you have that break in between uh, each major one. And uh, Torchlight 2, it doesn't even have 10 with uh, ten levels. So I think it's more like... Uh, I want to say like 66 with three levels each or something like that. Uh, That's how they break it down more than the absolutely massive Tower of Death. Not that Tower of Death is a bad thing. But, you know, it's uh, what people are really wanting. But anyway, Van Helsing, completely off track and will come come all the way back around. Uh, This is... Hopefully, it uh, gives a good conclusion to the storyline, because I don't think they're going to make another one, at least from what I could tell. And I um, really don't recall all that well the details of the previous two, which we're starting to fall into the whole Divinity Virtual Sin of, wait, why are we here again? <laughs> <laughs> uh, hopefully without the ass-kicking. Yeah. But, yeah, I think that's pretty much all for Van Helsing, at least for right now. I only have a little over an hour in it. And, well, there is a Chimera in it named Fluffy. So, you got that going for you. <laughs> that's great. No, no, that's actually, well, uh, whenever you get this giant monster, Katarina, your a ghost companion, who actually behaves a lot like the pets in Torchlight. She could uh, go back to town and sell. And, uh, she's also a combat, uh, character, and so, you know, not quite like the char- like the pets in Torchlight. She did, uh, she proclaims that its name should be Fluffy, and I decide, yes. Yes, it shall be named Fluffy. And I've completely forgot about the Chimera. So in the uh, second episode, which uh, will be released in the day before this podcast comes out, I come into the hot out in the second episode, and looking around. It's like, oh yeah, I remember all this. Come up to the Chimera, Fluffy. <laughs> I completely forgot about Fluffy. Granted, they they did take out the ability to summon Fluffy into combat, and Fluffy is now more of a loot pinata. Uh, send Fluffy out to go uh, uh, cause havoc and bring back toys but still Fluffy Fluffy Uh, and it does have a lot of other little uh, I hate to call it Facebook elements uh, but it's really lack of a better term where it's things that play out in real time so you send out your army to go take care of a mission off screen and it has a real time countdown timer that uh, counts off as you play and Fluffy works the same way. I think it's about five or six minutes. Yeah, you know, enough to discourage you from just sitting there and continuously sitting and out Fluffy to go get toys. But long enough that, or, yeah, you know, short enough that it's not something that you're going to do once when you're uh, in the hideout and never do it again, right? Right. It, it's really trying to find that, once again, the fine balance between the two. And yeah, I think we're done with Van Helsing, and it's time for your list of games that would not hold my interest one bit.
0: <laughs> well, the first one on the list is Mass Effect once again. Um, like I, said. I finally decided to check out multiplayer, uh, and it's all right. I mean, it's basically Mass Effect 3's multiplayer combined with some of the things from uh, Dragon Age Inquisition's multiplayer. So, it's, it's mostly horde mode, and then there's other objectives you have to complete on the map that you're on, so fight I'm off waves sure of enemies. I'm sure it's possible
1: for me to have less interest in this multiplayer now.
0: Fight off waves of enemies, complete the objective on the map, sometimes you get a choice, and it's like, if you have the right team composition, you can go off and do the the bonus objective, or maybe unlock an alternate path to something, and get like some bonus loot, or whatever, but... I mean basically it's horde mode with completing the little objectives and then getting to the extraction point.
1: Sorry, I played Alliance.
0: <laughs> I mean it's all right. I enjoyed Mass Effect 3's multiplayer. Uh I, I mean
1: well, what do you think about them uh as, well, the rumors at least? I don't think there's ever been any official acknowledgement of this that they Cancel plans for single-player uh, DLC to focus on the multiplayer stuff?
0: I mean, that doesn't bother me. Um, I feel like it so far... It seems disappointing. I, Mass Effect has always been about the single-player story, but I've never really cared much about the DLC content. The main game is always better than any story-mode DLC they've ever put out for Ma- the Mass Effect series. So well, I don't mind if that. If you
1: was to tell Jared just how wrong he is, be sure to email us at vglpodcast at gmail.com.
0: No, I'm definitely right. As with Mass Effect being my number one favorite game series of all time, I'm definitely right. But I, I'm okay with that. The multiplayer mode is still really solid and fun. There's definitely a lot more variety in it compared to Mass Effect 3's multiplayer uh, and Dragon Age Inquisition's multiplayer. Which, like I said, a bunch of this is, feels like it's based on. So, I mean, it's fun. I enjoy it. It's um, Maybe this is why whatever. you're
1: looking forward to Anthem and I'm not, is that... you know? I- I play a Bioware game for the story and not the multiplayer.
0: I mean, the story for Mass Effect Andromeda is really good, but, like, if I... Basically, if I want to sit down and play Mass Effect for less than an hour, I'm going to multiplayer. Because you can do two or three matches in, in about an hour. Uh, you get some little bits of story that build on stuff that you've been doing in single-player, because you have to progress through the single-player story to unlock some of the missions in in multiplayer. So you get some little... I don't know, bonuses and codex entries and stuff like that. Um, but it's it's fun. It's enjoyable. I like it. And I, I played Mass Effect 3's multiplayer a ton. So, I don't know if I'll play this one a ton, but I've enjoyed what I've played so far. I'll probably kick it around every now and then. Uh, and then Apex HQ is the Mass Effect Andromeda app.
1: I didn't uh, you... even pay attention that. was the Mass Effect app. I just saw... Uh, Google uh p- uh, do- uh play dot It's like, oh, odds are I'm not going to be interested in any of these for very long. I don't. Yeah. I don't keep interest in mobile games. I'm not I sure had a, if it's just uh I don't have the attention span for them or the lack thereof.
0: I had a pretty big mobile gaming week this past week just because like it was it was still a pretty busy week. I was out and about a lot and uh usually. Yeah, I just I've been a lot more tired, uh, laying in bed or sitting on the couch more this past week. Got my phone out, playing games, going through trying stuff out, and I downloaded Apex HQ, which is the like I said the Mass Effect Andromeda app. It lets you manage your multiplayer character and manage your strike teams so that you can still get the in-game bonuses and stuff without actually having to be playing the game to send out the teams. So that's nice. I mean, basically that gives you an unlimited supply of research materials. Which kind of fast-tracks you through the long and tedious research trees for better weapons and gear. You know, so you're
1: really not selling me on uh, Mass Effect Andromeda.
0: So that's handy-dandy. Um, but, I mean, it's not really a game. I just threw it in there because I was using it and it went with Mass Effect. This is probably the last time I'm going to talk, talk about Mass Effect for a while. Because I've now explored every aspect of the game. And it just comes down to beating the story and seeing like how it ends and how I felt about the whole journey. But... I think the just Avengers to the... of Rider dirt face. My Rider doesn't have a dirt face, but she has gorgeous blue hair. Oh, this curtain uh, match the drapes. Yes, and um, and then I played some other mobile games, and I just I don't know. I have this like blinding or overwhelming curiosity to just t- check out things that look like shit. And see if they really are. So the first one is called Battle of Warships, which is literally a World of Warships clone. You know, on I really mobile. should let
1: you loosen my Google or in my uh, Steam library at some point if you're wearing some shit. I mean, I literally have shit.
0: It's it's terrible. It's just atrocious. And there's, I mean, if you have played World of Warships and you think it's really pay to win and grindy and microtransactiony. Battle, Battle of Warships is even worse. It makes, uh, it,
1: uh, well, it pissed me off like uh, World of Warships did with uh, just suddenly dropping my FPS down to the t- low teens whenever I have torpedoes inbound. Worse. it just wow. It's terrible. I mean, I've got
0: a really kick-ass smartphone, and it runs like hot garbage on my phone.
1: Before or after the phone uh, uh, starts to heat up from all the work it has to do?
0: Yes. Um, so it's pretty bad. Don't don't get Battle of Warships. It's terrible. Um, then I tried Battle Warship Naval Empire, which sounds awful. I knew it sounded awful, but the picture was really cool, and I was like, you know what? The picture's really cool. Maybe it'll be an okay sort of Facebook-style ship game. And that's basically what it is. It's nothing special. And I almost didn't put it on the list, but then I remembered that every single character is using a famous actor or actress's name. Oh boy. So you have Emma Watson and Emma Stone and um Channing Tatum as your your captains and the the logistics people. And I had a good chuckle at that for about 15 minutes and then went this is just garbage. I'm going to uninstall it from my phone.
1: Wow, 15 minutes. You're you probably got more uh, enjoyment out of that game than anyone else has ever played that.
0: Probably. And then, uh, then I uninstalled it from my phone, but the last game is actually pretty good. It's called Bounzy. B-O-U-N-Z-Y. And it And it is uh, a game that's... It's not exactly a tower defense, but it is like a, a sort of turn-based game. You do an action, and then all of the monsters advance forward one square, um, and you have to defend your, your side of the map. You've got like a shield, and if they deplete all of the... Energy from your shield, you lose, and it's got this really neat, very simple but very neat mechanic. So you're you're a wizard and you shoot spells, and your spells bounce off of everything.
1: Yeah, this so, uh, yeah. Looking at the screenshots, I have a what is it? Archanoid. Archanoid. Just, uh, just seeing the uh, how the uh, uh, you know the paddle at the bottom of the screen and uh, with all the with the wall bricks at the top. Maybe. That's just what I immediately thought of, but I doubt that you have, to, you have to bounce your spell up and down. So,
0: Yeah, no, you just like shoot, you shoot out your spells, and they travel in a straight line, and they just bounce off of everything that they hit until they make it. Except for a few special spells, they just bounce around until they come back to the bottom of the screen and disappear. Uh, and it's actually surprisingly fun. I have spent probably four or five hours this week playing this game. Uh, it starts out super simple. You just shoot your spells, and the enemies are all really weak and easy. And then as you level up and progress, the enemies get tougher. You get special enemies. Like, there's enemies that have shields, so you can only hurt them by hitting them from behind. So, you know, you've got to make sure you bounce your spells So you're really excited them. about them. Then you get, uh, later on, you get special spells that have effects. Like, in one of the screenshots, you can see the drill spell and the poison spell. Oh, my. Um, and you ha- you have one that always is in the beginning and one that always is like the tail end, like the last spell that you shoot. And there's different ones. There's six different special spells, three for the lead spell and three for the tail spell. And they randomly alternate during the levels, which is interesting. Um, and some, some of the spells are more useful against certain enemies and some of them, you know, against some enemies compared to others. Even though it's a free-to-play game, it's got a pretty solid business model. There's not, like, 45,000 different types of currency. There's two. There's coins and, like, these little things that are, like, talismans. And the talismans are the premium currency. But every single treasure chest you open, which you get one every level, gives you five talismans and roughly a 1,000 coins. There's some variance on the coins, but I've never seen it lower than 800 and never seen it higher than, like, 1,200. So it's in a range. And uh also the chests have a chance to drop bonus spell attacks. So you start out, you shoot ten. Not including the special spells that you unlock. And then as you go, you unlock more and more little spells. And I've got like twenty-five spells that I shoot out. They start out as fireballs, and as you like level up the spells, they just like change color and shape and stuff. So I don't really know what they are now, they're purple. But I've got like twenty of course they are. I've got like twenty five that I shoot out. So it's it's really simple. You know, it's maybe you really should cute. see a
1: doctor about that, you know?
0: It's really simple. It's really cute. It's really fun. I am surprised at how much I enjoyed this game. Um, And it doesn't, like, there's no... It doesn't do the thing whether it's, like, with Clash of Clans or whatever. Or not Clash of Clans. Clash Royale. Because if you can collect chests, but you won't... If you don't complete the level, then you don't get a key. So you can still get the chest for the level, but if you don't complete it, you don't get the key. But at every, like, you can have an infinite number of chests piled up waiting to unlock. So you don't ever feel like you're losing anything. You can just keep playing. And every chest just takes three hours to open if you don't either spend the talismans to open chests or watch ads to open them. It's just three hours. So there's not, like, tiers of chests or any of that bullshit. It's just here's your two currencies. You get this amount every time you open a chest. You can have as many chests in your backlog as you want. So even if you get stuck, as long as you can make it far enough in the level to get the chest, you can keep collecting the chests and they'll keep opening. So, I mean, that is that is grindy, but it's not like, well, well I'm just waiting. Game. It's not like, well, I'm just waiting for this one item to drop so I complete the level. It's like, well, you know, I collect the premium currency. I collect coins and eventually I'll be able to level up my stuff and keep going. It's pretty quick. Most levels take like two or three minutes. Which, you know, it's a mobile game, so you can play a level while you poop.
1: You know, everybody talks about, you know, uh, playing mobile games, uh, you know, two or three minutes while they poop. Am I the only one that doesn't take that long? To poop? I mean, I I, I don't like sitting there on the toilet, because, you know, eventually you just lose feeling your legs, you know? I mean, sometimes
0: I'll sit on the toilet for like 15 minutes. Even though I'm done pooping, I'll just sit there and read Reddit. You know, maybe you should change your diet
1: if you're uh, sitting on the toilet for that long.
0: I do have some dietary issues because I'm like, yeah, but no, usually you need
1: to probably uh, not have that inside out, uh, grilled cheese thing that we were talking about.
0: No. I mean, usually I'm, I'm good after like three or four minutes, but sometimes I'll sit there for 15 and just play games on my phone or browse Reddit. But yeah, this is a good game. I really like it. It's really nice to find every once in a while, a nice, well thought out, well designed little mobile game. It makes me happy.
1: Yeah, only problem is, uh, well, ironically enough, you know, swimming through the sea of shit to find one.
0: Yep, that's why every once in a while I just go on these, like, benders and just, alright, let's do it. Let's download all the mobile games. And I'll download, you know, ten and play through them. And honestly, most of the time I round up just uninstalling all ten of them. But every once in a while I I find one and I add it to my list of mobile games that I really like. And this is one of them. Bouncy, B-O-U-N-Z-Y. Great game. I'm probably gonna buy some premium currency just to give him some money, because I really like the game. Oh, I forgot about the special spells, actually. Like, the, the special abilities. You can spend talismans on to do special abilities, and then each ability does different stuff. But, honestly, if you're decent, like, if you're even halfway decent at at using the, the spells themselves, like the normal ones that just shoot out, you'll never need them. Because you'll get really good at... at getting ricochets and stuff to, to kill all the enemies. Yeah, but to be fair, we all know that you're indecent. <laughs> I'm pretty good, actually. I very rarely lose. Oh, no,
1: no, we weren't talking about that.
0: Oh, right. The lack of pants and showering and that sort of stuff.
1: Yeah, and also being a little too hairy, you know? I am
0: very hairy. So, yeah, those are the games that I played this week. Uh, more Mass Effect one good mobile game and a couple of shitty ones.
1: Yeah, well, I ended up playing a. Well, starting a simplistic uh, ARPG to get uh, the end of the story that I've done previously and an unspeakably simple and disappointing a town builder. So, hey, I, it was a hot week on video gaming for the both of us. Yeah. That's okay, though. It's okay.
0: All it right. Is- Yeah, it is. Can't have the good times without the bad times. Otherwise, everything is just bland. All Anyways,
1: Speaking of having the good times without the bad.
0: Yeah, let's move on to our first topic this week. Determining the value of games. So this one was submitted to us by Jimmy Jam. Good old Jim3535. We were going to get to it last week, but we ran out of time. We spent much longer on Game Club than we anticipated, so... We're doing it this week, so.
1: Well, to be fair, Game Club plus two games.
0: It was. It was. So this is a question that I've I've seen talked about many times before, and it's I I don't. There's not really an objective answer because this is yeah one of those
1: yeah things this that... was yeah this is definitely I think gonna end up to uh let's agree to disagree because, well I'm a cheapskate when it comes to games to begin with.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've been on like both sides of the fence um, with it over the course of the last, I don't know, five, six years, just as my life has changed, going from having no money uh, and <laughs> some time and no money to no time and some money and some... Like, I've just been all over the place the last few years, so one um, of the most common sort of value propositions I've seen placed upon games is the $1, one hour uh, value yeah, which proposition. I,
1: which I really don't think that is completely fair because, yeah, then you get open-world games that you, know, you could sink hundreds of hours into... Well, let, let's put it this way. If it's, uh, you know, you, your game has to be one hour of game time or potential game time to $1... Well, then, Spore is the greatest. Well, Spore and (laughs) No Man's Sky are the greatest uh, value propositions in gaming.
0: Infinite replayability. Yeah. So I I used to be a pretty big fan of the one dollar one hour, but the reason I was that was that was when I was in college and I had a decent chunk of free time but no money. So I was like, if I'm gonna buy a game, I'm gonna have to be able to squeeze out every single last minute of enjoyment from this game. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to buy I'm going to buy Skyrim and I'm going to play it for 50 million hours and I'm going to buy uh, I went through a big JRPG phase in college and I, I I always liked JRPGs, but one of the main reasons I played them so much was because, you know, I could they get they grind. Them, they grind, so you spend 50, 60, 70, 80, 100 hours playing these games and jrpgs in the states are very rarely full price so it's like i'm spending 25 30 30 bucks on this game that i'm gonna play for 100 hours great value and so i would i would play jrpgs non-stop because i could get so much value out of them and going back there's very few of those jrpgs that i'm like yeah i actually really enjoyed that game like there's a couple the last remnant uh i know that you have had uh, issues with that game, but I genuinely like The Last I remnant. was more...
1: I was confused about what the hell was going on, but the gameplay just turned me so off so much with The Last Room that, that it felt like I was more just rolling a dice to see if I was even able to attack, let alone win a battle. Yeah. And, and, and the fact that it seems like nobody understood what the fuck was going on with that game's uh, <laughs> combat system just was disappointing because I actually liked uh, well, the Final Fantasy series, which is yeah, you know, the same developer, it's a Square game. The Last Remnant, yeah. Uh, but you no, know, it's the thing that <laughs> what the hell is going on?
0: Yeah, but so I used to subscribe to that, and you know, I think that works for a lot of a lot I of think people it worked, who game on I, a budget.
1: I think it works for some games, especially uh, the experience games these days. Which is mostly going into the VR area nowadays, uh, because the VR seems to really focus on these very intensive short experiences. Yeah. Which, to be fair, I don't think you wanna have yo. Know, well, most people at least wanna have a game where you spend five hundred hours with the VR headset on. At least you know, for now. Uh, at least until uh, you get that force feedback cod piece. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, I mean, VR headsets get hot and stuffy and uncomfortable after a couple of hours. So, yeah, I wouldn't want to play a game that's 100, 200
1: hours long. Yeah, but on the flip side of things, uh, you know, looking at VR games and see... Th- this game has half an hour content. This, this game has an hour of content. And that's uh, a selling point on... <laughs> on the store page. It's just one of those things that yeah, this doesn't have a good value proposition for me. Uh, Even if I had the VR headset. Because it's under even the refund barrier, which I I think the refund barrier is like your bare minimum these days, at least on Steam. It needs two hours of gameplay.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, I mean, I think I think a Game developer that puts out something that has under two hours of uh, pure gameplay is just asking to be uh, just review uh, review bombed and refunded.
0: Yeah, what um, what is your sort? I know that you say that you're a cheapskate, but is there a set of rules or guidelines that you go through where you evaluate the value of a game?
1: Uh, well mine is more just a general set of things. If it's an episodic game, it has to either be complete or show promise of being complete because I have a few things that are episodic games that have one or two episodes out and then they just drop development or they or the developer just quit you know, and just shut down. And uh, to me those games are worthless because yeah, you, know, you don't even get the full experience. Hell, there's one game that I have that was looked very promising. I'm trying to remember if I got it in a bundle somewhere. I know I didn't get a review copy. I think it was a bundle. That is essentially a Harvest Moon game, but it's a heavy emphasis on the story. And just trying it out, it looked very, very promising and very interesting. And they moved it to from being a early access game to, uh, to an episodic game and released the first part as an episode. And then the developer just pretty much disappeared. Okay. Well,
0: I see what you're saying, but that's not exactly the question I was yeah, well,
1: asking. Well, 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 I was uh, more setting a general set of rules okay. for, uh, for what I consider worth it.
0: So you, you're you not necessarily looking at price because you're...
1: Uh, well, for for some things. I mean, if something is a A price, it better be... Uh, give me something that's worth it. You know, that's the thing, is that I don't want to play a two-hour experience that's a $60 game, you know? Yeah.
0: No, that's, I mean, that's completely fair. Um, what's the most you've paid for a game in, I don't know, the last couple of years?
1: Oh, I would say 30 What and did you spend 30 bucks on? That would be RimWorld. Uh, uh, RimWorld, Factorio, uh, which are both early access games, <laughs> ironically enough. Uh, then it's probably in the twenty dollar range for a few things. Okay, but but honestly, these days where I've got the backlog that's you know longer than most people's libraries, you know, it's mostly just I've uh, become almost what I what I term an oasis gamer, where I'll build up. During a major sale, during the, usually the winter and uh, summer sales, and then pick up a couple of things that are in deep discount or just big bundles in between, and that you know usually sustains me. Yeah, so you're an interesting case. Then um,
0: <laughs> you're well, a bit of a, well that, of a... yeah.
1: That's a, yeah. That's one that you could uh, say. I'm an interesting case. Interesting case. That's
0: my uh, my tactfulness as a therapist coming out there. Um,
1: uh, also known as complete dent drop.
0: So, okay, then here's another question. What's it like or does it ever feel odd um, to be in this place where you're like, well, hey, I have all the games in the world, you know, metaphorically. Uh, I don't really buy very many games and there aren't very many games that offer enough value to me to purchase anywhere near full price because I have... It's definitely
1: a a weird feeling to look at the Steam front page and think okay there's uh, maybe a couple things here that are interesting to me but there would be no way that I would really be able to sink enough time into them to make it worthwhile yeah because that's really the thing is just it's a mixture of the of the pure price and also the time because you know games are an investment not just uh, monetarily but yeah you know, uh, time wise as well and I'm just looking at the uh, yeah the front page of Steam and yeah uh, you know, like S- Slime Rancher came out today and left early access and yes it's on my wish list but the thing is that Would I be able to play enough time with Slime Rancher, even though it is... Yeah, it's on the cheaper side to begin with, to warrant picking it up right now? And the answer is probably not. Yeah. It's a weird position I'm in.
0: I'm also in a bit of a weird position, but I have much more in common with the sort of... I don't know, average or standard. Like, I work you know, a full-time job. So I have income and I have games I would like to play, but I have, I don't have enough time to play all the games I would like to play. And I've got a library with like 500 games in it now. Is that how many games in my library? No, 600 games. i so, you know, obviously not as big as yours, but bigger than the average person. And I've bought most of my games over the years. Um, yeah, I mean, even you know,
1: though my library is absolutely huge. M- I would say still over half is what I bought. I mean, that's still you know, a massive amount. But all that's also you know mostly due to bundles as well, because that's the thing is that... And that really ties into the value proposition is, uh, where do you go with bundles? Because that's a whole... Another kettle of fish.
0: Yeah. Well, maybe we can get to that in a second. Let me kind of so so currently my sort of value proposition is basically I just don't want to waste my time. I don't care how much money <laughs> I'm sorry but with you saying that <laughs> I don't I don't care how much money I spend at this point anymore. Like I spent like 150 bucks on the Steam sale, you know, last month and only walked away with like 15 or so games which you know a, even a year ago I would be going like what are you doing you could get so many more games for 150 bucks but I've hit this tipping point where now it's I don't care if I spend more money I just want games that I'm going to enjoy I don't I don't want to waste my time playing some something that is not fun and you know I know what you're saying I have a reputation on the show for playing weird shitty like guilty pleasure games all the time but, Gee, it's
1: not uh, like uh your entire our uh, <laughs> games you played this week was shitty games well, but minus I, mass effect but that's more of, uh yeah uh choice on people on some people
0: but I mean I have I enjoy that sort of thing you know I'm not going well you know I might enjoy this weird dating sim but since I'm only gonna really get like two hours out of it, I'm not going to buy it. I'm going to buy this other game instead, where I can get 100 hours out of it.
1: Yeah, well, most of what I bought in the last Steam sale was either for the uh, game club or uh, YouTube stuff. I didn't actually buy a lot for myself, which is kind of a also a weird position that kind of takes at least me out of it, is where, yeah, I'm also considering, okay, what would be fun to play on YouTube? Granted, uh, since I'm pretty far behind the curve on what most of the stuff I play to begin with Uh, maybe I shouldn't consider YouTube overall because I'm playing Van Helsing what two three years out of uh, date yeah Uh, let me actually see when that released because that would be an interesting thing when did Van Helsing 3 release Uh, click off all the uh, things Uh, 2015 (laughs) so yeah it's uh, one of those things that most of what I play is at least a year out of date if not more not counting early access stuff or stuff for the Sunday sampler which is either review code or just uh, oddball stuff to begin with so it's yeah it's a weird position I'm in to begin with which maybe makes uh, you know my opinion completely worthless. <laughs> I don't think it makes it worthless. It
0: may be less helpful to someone who's in more like a more sort of standard position, but I think it's it provides a different perspective that you know gives people a sort of a different outlook on it.
1: Yeah, and also like a lot not... of my value proposition uh, is also more of a genre to genre thing, like. If it's a very, very short point click, for example, you know, I'm not as willing to spend 15 or 20 bucks compared to something like a uh, a dating sim or visual novel where uh, it's going to have a lot better writing, most likely.
0: Yeah. Um... Is there any amount of money that you consider to be too much? Like, I've always kind of had this rule of, like, the $5 impulse buy. Like, I'll buy anything that looks neat or interesting just to give it a try for 5 bucks. But I, that I guess that's not really what I'm asking, though. Uh, like, yeah,
1: that's that, that. That's the inverse, you know. Uh, um, yeah, I would say my impulse buy would be, you know, in the 5 uh in the five to ten dollar range, it really depends on what the game is, and you know, because I picked up Rigs Rick for example. And that's uh, that was a slightly out of the impulse buy area, but it was something that looked interesting.
0: Yeah. Um, what's the most you would spend on a game, period?
1: Uh I would go full price triple A. Uh, so and like that, sixty and, bucks. Yeah, yeah, and that and that's pushing it for most things these days. Because I usually don't buy uh, AAA uh, right out the gate, anyway. Yeah, but you know that—that's the hard line. Usually, yeah. it's more the thirty to forty dollar range. Yeah,
0: I, I probably wouldn't. Let's see.
1: And, and I'm uh, using extremes there. Uh, you know, thirty to forty is probably more likely my area, but you know, sixty is right now or. or Uh, the hard line and uh, the thing is that uh, gaming is going to have to eventually go past the $60 price tag uh, for the AAA's I mean we're already seeing it with uh, uh, DLC which that's something else is where does DLC fall into this
0: (laughs) yeah well I don't I don't think I have I don't think I have a maximum that I would spend on a game anymore used to it was like 50 or 60 bucks you know to spend on games at a time and i would either like oh i really want this new release or i'll buy a few used games or when i got into pc gaming it's i'll buy a few games on the steam sale that was all i would spend a year like you know 60 to 100 bucks a year uh but at this point like i don't think i have a maximum if a game came out you know and like you said the price of games is going to go up it's a combination of both inflation making them cost more and also as games we continue to like, I don't know how games don't cost more than $60 now
1: uh, I think it's just uh, consumer outcry because uh, it kind of settled to the $60 range I would say in the 90s because before that you know the NES era uh, not even accounting for inflation uh, games were more expensive yeah uh, but it, they kind of settled it to the $60 price tag and uh nobody really wanting to break it. And it's kind of everybody standing in lockstep, not wanting to be the first to step out of line because they're going to get just uh, yelled at. So they're trying to come up with all these ways that yes, it is $60, but to get the full experience, you you need the DLC map packs. You need to get uh, the extra character classes that are also separate DLCs. You that need to get all the uh, little story DLCs. So, games do cost more than sixty dollars right now. It's just it's all the little hidden fees that kind of add up. Then you get uh, you know uh, the special editions, which are also you know more expensive, but they give you something else. But. Uh, people see as an extra value so yes it is worth more than 60 but uh, is it? yeah and that's also something else is that I would love to see special editions and you know collector's editions have the extra stuff sold separately instead of you know because yeah, most of the time whenever you see these collector's editions and special editions it's always pre-order stuff and that's you know, breaking commandment number one
0: yeah yeah there's a um or the the special edition or whatever it is for andromeda has like a multiplayer starter pack and some clothes and it's another like 20 bucks it's like why would i buy although you can buy that separately if you want to i think it's only 10 bucks actually if you buy it separately
1: also it's a sucker tax (laughs) yeah pretty much um, yeah, but that's the thing, is that usually these pre-order bonuses, if they become available, they are not available till way, 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 way down the line, or until the Game of the Year edition, if they become available at all.
0: Yeah. Um, I want to I pivot to the value of gaming more generally, if you don't have anything else you want to talk about in sort of our personal value, the way that we look-at-buying-games sort of topic.
1: Uh, well, like I said, my problem is that I'm, I just look at games as how does this fit into the backlog? <laughs> and I, I think it's going to be a problem for uh, more people than uh, you may give credit to just because gaming on PC does get very cheap very quickly if you know where to look. Yeah. Well,
0: that was part of the sort of overall value proposition of gaming as a hobby that I was about to get to.
1: Well, uh, um, uh, do we want to throw in bundles before we go into that? or Because um, that's, that's something else.
0: If you think that that's wholly uh, separate, we can go ahead and hit that. That,
1: that, that does uh, fit completely separately just because of how, especially Humble Bundle, that's the big one these days. Uh, unless you want to count the card forms from, was it, Bundle Stars? That yep. does it?
0: Yeah, Bundle Stars has had two in the last like three months.
1: Uh, like, I think they've had more than that. It's just
0: that's the I, I know of three they've done. Oh, I've seen two. I got fifty games like three months ago, and then uh, last month they did another one that was like twenty-five games that I bought. Yeah, and,
1: and none of them are worth the ones and zeros they're made out of. <laughs> no,
0: they're terrible games, but I bought them for trading card farming,
1: which Spent- is uh, which is something else that's kind of offsetting all the price of games to begin with. Is, yeah. I, uh, all the trading cards.
0: Yeah, I spent $2 on 75 games, and so I'll get probably 8 ish 6 to $8 in trading cards.
1: But I think Humble Bundle's really the only major site going on right now. I know there is groupies, but I'm not sure if they're uh, offering anything worth of... Wow. Used to be Indie Royale was uh, pretty good, but... Uh, uh they went bankrupt uh, with uh, uh, Desura. It was the same parent company. But uh just <laughs> buying uh what 15 games for <laughs> just a couple bucks on Humble Bundle really devalues a lot of these games. And there was a, a there's been a couple interesting articles over the years of just different developers talking about how their sales are affected afterwards that they get a huge spike, but they never see a rebound. That Maybe I should have dug up, but... Well, here's a good example. The Humble Saints Row bundle. One dollar to get uh, Risen 3, Deadlight Director's Cut, Homeland, and Saints Row 2. I mean, where does that put the value of these games? Yeah. Uh, assuming you don't own any of them to begin with. Right. It's a- I,
0: don't, I don't have an answer specifically to that question, like you know, where do you put the value of those games? I mean, for my example out of that is Saints Row 2. Like that game's several years old at this point. Is that just well, like well none
1: of these are particularly new? <laughs> no.
0: I guess not. I just I'm the most familiar with Saints Row two out of that list. And I mean it's a game that you could get a hundred hours out of pretty easily. Getting it for a
1: dollar. You know? Yeah, this is probably not the greatest example just because uh, this bundle is mostly Saints Row. Oh, Mighty Number Don is already on a humble bundle. <laughs> I don't even pay attention to that. <laughs> oh, that's something else that you know, we could uh, really talk about at some point. Kickstarter games. Yeah. Uh, but bundles really make gaming very cheap, and I think it may skew the overall price of gaming for a lot of people uh, particularly people who are just getting into the uh, hobby or people that want to expand their libraries people that uh, someone that hasn't played Saints Row be able to get all the games in the series for 15 bucks and that is well, all the games except for Saints Row 1 ironically enough along with a few uh, extras along the way that's a, a hell of a buy But then it comes back to, you know, what does that make the value of those particular games to someone that uh, is getting the mass group of them? Yeah.
0: I don't know. I mean, there is a psychological aspect of if you pay more for something, you're more likely to um, spend more time on it, spend more time with it. And want to get more out of it. Uh, it's a combination of uh, yeah. That
1: is something I've noticed. Is uh, I get games as a review copy, and you know I'll toy around with them and uh, get my video out, but then I don't really have that uh, attachment to them that I would have if I you know bought the game for ten fifteen bucks.
0: Yeah, it's a. Uh, it's a combination of confirmation bias and um, sunk cost. Sunk cost, yeah. Hey,
1: I, uh, I know terms.
0: Yeah, and it's—I mean, it's uh, observed. It's been researched, and it's observable and repeatable. And it doesn't matter if someone spends money or has money invested into them; those two things happen. It's like, oh, this is you know costing me, uh, or is valued at X amount of of dollars, so I should definitely enjoy it more than this thing that was valued at y amount of dollars that's less
1: it's pretty neat do you think that's uh, where part of the uh, pre-order uh, cultures come from where it you see uh, uh buy this game now and we'll knock off uh, five bucks knock off ten bucks and get people more invested in a release that's upcoming uh, on top of the hype culture around gaming in general
0: yeah, that's the sunk cost. It's like, well, you know, if I pre-order this game, I'm gonna be in it this much, but I'll save, you know, whatever. Yeah, I think or we'll I'll get the,
1: this extra thing. Uh, the Saintro uh, pack also has the upcoming Agents of Mayhem as a $75 tier. <laughs> wow, huh? Wow.
0: Um, okay, so where I wanted to pivot the discussion is now that we get away from the personal stuff a little bit and just talk about the value of gaming as a hobby. I think that gaming is probably one of the most or one of the cheapest hobbies out there. Like individual games, if you buy brand new all the time, yes, are expensive. But compared to like, say, a movie ticket, you know, you spend 15 bucks on a movie ticket. And if you want to get popcorn and other stuff, you're going to spend more. But let's just say you go to the movie. You spend your your you, you go to a matinee. You're a smart moviegoer. You go to a matinee. You spend ten bucks on your ticket. Obviously,
1: you're not watching the emoji movie then.
0: Definitely not. Um, you spend ten bucks on your movie ticket. You know, you get two hours out of it. And you know, that's not like you've choos- chosen to spend your money that way. I'm not saying that people waste their money doing that, but you know, you spend sixty bucks, go see six movies, get ten hours out of it. Well, that's a short video game. You spend sixty bucks on some uh, quite a few larger video games. Anything story-based, per- particularly anything open-world. Suddenly, you've you know double or tripled the uh, effectiveness of the money that you spent in terms of providing leisure time. And yes, well, I'm, gaming well, is. I, leisure- well,
1: I was going to uh, use the more the analogy of a uh, building a home theater versus building a computer, because both of them have a big upfront cost and that's where gaming's cost really uh, lies is that even if you're a console gamer that has a lower buy-in it still has you know a several hundred dollar buy-in to it right and, and that that's where the uh, uh how gaming as a hobby is perceived to be very expensive by the you know, general public they'll see you know, people on well the general public's probably not browsing PC Master Race, but uh, they uh, see people talking about multi-thousand-dollar rigs or seeing these huge forty-some-inch uh, monitors that are uh, hundred forty-four hertz. It costs you know as much as a small car. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I mean, I've had people. I've explained that to people before in my own, like in my own personal life. You know, my. Uh, mom for example has asked me a couple times like you spend so much money like on your computer and stuff and it's like well yeah but you know let's talk about what your hobbies are you know you do gardening and
1: you've got your small
0: animal farm and stuff and it's like you know you had to spend you know all this money on she's orwell (laughs) i was like you know you spent like 400 bucks on that really nice tiller that you're gonna have for a few years and you know, on the mower and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, I mean, you don't have to do these things. You do them because you find them enjoyable. It's like, it's the same thing. You know, I well, have the upfront cost and then there's, the, you know, the other things that you buy along the way, which are games. And
1: I made mean, this well, whole the, big
0: analogy for her and she was like, okay. And that was several years ago before I got her gaming herself.
1: <laughs> well, the other thing is that people are looking at the high-end stuff, the equivalent of, of a Ferrari, when yeah. people don't always need that, their little economy class compact uh, will handle what they may be interested in. They don't need the top of the line, cutting edge, uh, lightning fast rigs. They can yeah. get by with you know, uh, uh, you know the couple hundred dollar you know low end or uh, well I should say mid range these days uh, because uh, gaming uh, hardware has come down in general price as well not counting the spike in price around RAM right now but eh, that's beside the point but the general cost of competing parts is overall down as well yeah so and you that do get a lot bigger bang for the buck to begin with
0: and I mean that's going to continue to happen probably forever. You know, comparing the price to the cost. I mean, you know, not that like the equivalent not that like you could go out and buy the equivalent of like a four eighty right now for a dollar. Like that's not what I mean. But you know the I would buy that for a dollar. I'd buy that for a dollar, yeah. But you know, just computing power goes up, prices go down. That just is the nature of the of it. So But yeah, I mean, you know, you have if you're a console gamer, you've probably got an upfront cost of 500 600 bucks um oh are get, we
1: are, are we counting uh uh building your uh, theater as well or you know getting a tv i'm because, I'm, that, because that's that's one thing that always kind of bugged me is that people talk about how consoles are so much cheaper and when they qu- quote the price of a pc they always include the monitor and keyboard always yes.
0: yeah that, that's of-
1: something that just drives me absolutely batshit insane uh, do you include the price of the TV uh, your, and everything else, your home theater system? No. Sorry. No, S- I was slight tangent there.
0: I was not including a TV in that. Um, I think that there's like, I think there's only like, there aren't very many homes like per capita in the United States that don't have TVs. Most houses have multiple TVs. So, or most most households. Have multiple TVs in their home, so I mean, I wasn't including that. But you know, you spend six hundred bucks up front, you get your console, a couple of games, um, you know, anything that they upsell you on because you're a peasant buying a console, so you'll buy anything.
1: Uh, don't mean. forget to uh, spend the hundred and twenty dollars on the elite controller.
0: That was mean. I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have said that. The elite controller is pretty cool. I have to say, like, I don't own one. But
1: I've messed around. I was, with one. I was really interested nice. in it for uh, you know until they announced the price tag and it's like,
0: no. Yeah, well, I mean that's that whole upper end thing. You know, like the standard consoles are like your you know the Xbox Play, PS4 like branded controllers or your mid range. The the Mad Cats and Pelican is like your cheap shit, and then uh,
1: well, no, no longer Mad Cats.
0: Well, yeah, but that was the first thing that came <laughs> to mind. I mean. You know, hey, I've
1: had a couple decent Bad Cats controllers over the years. I've, had yeah, a couple I've also like, had them too. But also, I've had some uh, real shit ones. Uh, Bad Cats actually did pretty well on their fight sticks for uh, quite a while.
0: Yeah, but anyways, you know. And then your entry level cost for PC gaming is a pretty big range. But I'm gonna guess if you want to get like a decent rig, you're gonna spend a thousand bucks um, on a on a machine. More if you want to go mobile with a laptop. Less yeah, well, if you've got some stuff already. And yeah, you're doing sort of a a custom upgrade to a desktop you have. Yeah, well, that's well,
1: that yeah, that's the problem is that your initial cost does have to include the monitor with a PC if you're starting from the complete scratch. But uh, it's that's that's where the disconnect comes from is that whenever you talk about upgrading, people talk about upgrading the monitor as well, which doesn't count usually unless you're yeah. upgrading from like a uh, 60 hertz to 120. Yeah. But, you know,
0: you spend maybe, I don't know, 1000 to 1500 bucks in your first year on gaming. But then after that, your console is going to last for several years. Your gaming PC, as long as nothing breaks, is going to last for five, six years as well. well.
1: Well, also, the thing is that if you play online, uh, the PC does save you a fair amount of money just because... Uh, yeah, the console requires uh, the, what is it, 60 bucks a year? or Now they've uh, increased it in Europe for uh, PlayStation Plus, uh, just for online connectivity. Yeah. So, so that cuts into the savings on the console side of things.
0: But also, if you really want to get into the nitty gritty of other hobbies, yeah. like going to the movies, you have to pay for gas, you have to pay for wear and tear on your car if you have a car, public transportation if you don't. You have to
1: uh, uh, pay for therapy after watching some of this shit that comes out.
0: (laughs) The, The point is, I think gaming is one of the most sort of... If you're just looking at it from, how can I get the most enjoyment out of my dollars? I think gaming is one of the top, if not the top, in terms of dollar per enjoyment ratio. It does have a little bit higher upfront costs than most hobbies, but over the course of the life of the hobby you will save in the long run
1: yeah the only thing is that i don't think well at least i hope not is that people judge their interest purely on how much time i could get out of this one dollar right because uh, there's other factors to include in that and i think if someone is interested in uh, movies versus video games for example they look at things like a story and to be perfectly honest a lot of story and video games doesn't quite cut the mustard a lot of it is more about the interactivity now you start to get some uh possible exceptions with that with the visual novel genre particularly but i don't think that story really is there for video games quite yet at least for the most part i disagree I think
0: it's there, and games have gotten pretty good at telling the sort of stories that we see in books and t v shows and movies that sort of thing and then they we've got some very special unique cases that just can't exist in other mediums, like brothers you know i mean True. that's the that's the example to go to for like it's got a great story anyways, but then it's got you know the the moments in the game where the fact that you you are doing the actions.
1: Well, I think Brothers is an outlier more that it tells its, or at least the end of the story, through its game mechanics. And you don't really have, really, any other games that I can think of off the top of my head, at least, that does it quite to that degree. Yeah, But that's also telling a very unique story through something I don't think you could even get if you were watching the gameplay.
0: No, you definitely couldn't.
1: That's definitely a first person experience, and something that it's kind of a weird thing that in the era of everyone's trying to get Twitch integration in their games and getting YouTube integration, uh, trying to get people to stream their games, that you have a game like Brothers A Tale Two Sons where there is no way to really show the impact of that one moment. Right.
0: I think another big value add to games is going off of the interactivity. Um, in in movies, TV shows, books, you have your perspective controlled. And something as simple as being able to move the camera and look at stuff opens up a whole new level of appreciation I think for the art that is entertainment. Um I, you know, one of my one of my favorite gaming memories is playing Oblivion. I mean, for the for the first time and you come out of the uh the sewer and you're walking around and you wind up on this hill and you can look down and i mean like looking at it (laughs) now it's nowhere near as pretty as i remember it yeah but like that moment was gorgeous and you just like look around and you take it in and you can't do that in with films
1: well to top it off uh that same moment for me I had a wolf attack me. I killed it in uh, one or two shots and it just cartwheeled down the hill.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but, you know, I think that there's huge value in gaming, both as a dollar per enjoyment ratio and it gives you a lot of things that you can't get from other means of entertainment.
1: Yeah, I think uh, my, uh, uh, my argument with story is that more... Gaming story is built more on mechanics than actual words most of the time. And that's what I was uh, trying to say, is that someone that's looking at games versus uh, movies is looking at more of a passive existence. Right. Yeah, that that makes more sense. And it's it's kind of missing the point of gaming.
0: Yeah, that makes more sense to me than what you said. Yeah,
1: yeah, Yeah, I wasn't really articulating my point all that well. But uh, uh, kind of uh, got off topic to be to begin with. So right, there you go. Yeah,
0: fair enough. So do you have anything else you want to add? I feel like we've we we got personal for a little bit here. <laughs> you know we 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 snuggled real close, and then we talked more broadly. I mean, we I love feel dirty. <laughs> we love games and we're passionate about them, and they're certainly my favorite hobby and means of entertainment in my life. So yeah,
1: even though I talk bad about games a lot of times, <laughs> it's more the fact that uh yeah it annoys me about things that really shouldn't be in gaming anymore, you know, or or things that I see as kind of wrong, you know. Yeah,
0: fair enough. I mean, you're you're hard on games because you love them, and I just I... love them. <laughs>
1: No, no, you're easy. That's what you are.
0: <laughs> you're no, you're hard on games because you love them. I'm hard on games because I love them.
1: Wink. I need an adult.
0: <laughs> this is a good topic. Good, good submission, Jim. I love talking about games. I, a long time ago, when I used to do like blog posts and stuff, I did a whole article comparing like the 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 dollar per hour ratio of Video games, versus movies and books, and music, and sports.
1: Yeah, well, uh, well, there is a problem with the dollar per hour to begin with. Is uh, for a, well, let's use Skyrim as an example, even though it's absolutely a terrible example for me. Love Skyrim. <laughs> is okay. It's well, let's let's say a hundred hours. All right. Do you think that's a fair thing uh, for someone that wants to do? A good chunk of the game, not everything, and obviously not everything with modding, but it yeah. comes down to, okay, I played the game for 100 hours, but how many hours did I enjoy the game, and not just filler content? And that's where also dollar per hour really breaks down and doesn't really hold up.
0: Well, well your 100-hour argument in Skyrim, though, I mean... Well, I'm using you, that
1: as more of a ballpark, you know, well, uh, a, you, more of a nice round number.
0: Yes, but if you like Skyrim, which I know you have a lot of issues with the mechanics and stuff of Skyrim, but if you're someone who likes it, 100 Hours is about the entire main story in all of the major side quests. Um, You know, like the guilds and things like that, so probably... I would assume most people would enjoy most of that as long as they like Skyrim in general. Skyrim's a big game, y'all.
1: Big yeah, well, uh, well to, on the flip side of things, uh, let's use Euro Eurotruck, uh, a game I've been playing as kind of just filler, uh, you know, just podcasting stuff. And it's more of just something to do to uh, kind of, as I'm waking up drinking my coffee or, uh, you know, waiting for something else to... Happen, you know, uh, p- playing it while I'm doing an upload or something. And it's one of those weird things. Yes, I enjoy it, but at the same time, I can't really put a dollar to hour because it's what it's filler content.
0: Yeah, that's what that's what get like, like Transport Fever is to me at this point. Like, if I want to just like sit down and listen to a bunch of podcasts, uh, like catch up or whatever, I'll put on Transport Fever because I can basically passively run through that whole game and it doesn't detract from my ability to listen to a podcast so like I'm enjoying my time but it's not necessarily because I'm playing Transport Fever
1: so yeah, I get and that's and that's another kind of weird thing that really only gaming has oh, oh, I guess maybe if you put like a TV show on the background but that's you know you could do that with you know, music as well just you know background noise yeah it's it's kind of an odd thing, huh?
0: Games are great. They feel all they fill all the niches.
1: Well, that's the thing is that gaming is a medium and not a genre.
0: That's true. That is very It's, true. it's the
1: same argument I make with anime. People talk about, well, I don't like anime. Well, anime is a medium. It's not a genre. You, know, you unless you absolutely hate the anime art style, and even then, you have to say more. I don't like animation. Yeah, because not everything is uh, uh, magical. moe girls in high school with giant eyes.
0: Yeah, but those are my favorite anime. Because <laughs> I'm a filthy casual. <laughs> oh,
1: peasant! You're I'm an just, anime peasant. I'm just the worst. I know. It's I'm five. gonna have to. I'm just gonna have to get you to watch an, another anime. But We still need to do anime night at some point with us.
0: I I, I, I love my my high school battle magical witch girls i love it
1: with or without tits Uh,
0: yes (laughs) okay i think we have thoroughly covered this topic like i said a minute ago good topic jim
1: yeah and uh let us know what you think
0: indeed please so now that we've done that, and it looks like it went a little bit longer than I thought, so yay for good discussion. Yeah,
1: yeah we definitely went long there. Let's move on
0: to our next general topic, which is going to be a recurring topic at some point. Probably, maybe if we come up with a list, just be good filler if we really need to make up some time. And it's a slow week. But, uh, pitch a game. So, we've each come up with ideas about games. Uh, well, I think you said you only had one. And yeah, I had- well,
1: well, well, I... The thing is, I had an idea, and then I was uh, really thinking and kind of let my mind wander, and I came up with one that I liked better.
0: Okay, but so yeah, we're each going to pitch a game and just sort of describe it, what we, and then the other person, you know, we we'll, might get some good back and forth, ask some questions, make some suggestions, and uh, who knows, any game execs out there listening, if you want one of these game ideas, just let us know. All yeah, right, our
1: licensing fees are cheap.
0: Do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? Well,
1: uh, how... Uh, how... Well. Choo-choo. <laughs> That's not my game, by the way. The train's gonna go first.
0: <laughs> so anyways, do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? Uh, well,
1: it? how enthusiastic are you about your idea?
0: Uh, I'm feeling pretty enthusiastic about it. Okay, well, we'll, we'll break convention to let you go first. Okay, so here's my idea. Yeah. Um... So I love KSP. I love the really? mostly realistic orbital mechanics. I mean, you know, it's not perfect, but it's it's probably the most realistic space game I've ever seen in terms of orbital mechanics. So I want that in a game that... Um, you. So you're playing like the equivalent of a SpaceX, like you're a private space company. Mm-hmm. You start in the late 20th, early 21st century... And your goal is to um, build a successful successful space company and eventually colonize the solar system. And it's going to be like 99.9% reality. The only sort of sci-fi-esque thing that I want to be in this game is that at some point you can research a torch drive. So... You're you're starting uh, out... Y-
1: you may have to say what a torch drive is.
0: Right. A torch drive is basically um, a, a method of propulsion for ships, or spaceships, that allows you to just burn continuously uh, 50% of the way through your journey, and then flip your ship around and burn... Or burn prograde for 50% of your journey, and then flip around and burn retrograde for the other 50%. And it allows you to take, I mean, the equivalent of straight lines in space, um, obvi- you know, you can't really do that, but as close as you with can that get.
1: attitude? Uh,
0: and the most proposed ideas for them use some form of nuclear fusion generation, or nuclear fusion uh, reactor, and then you vent um, plasma to uh, create propulsion in space. That's s- sort of the rough ideas that exist for them today. So they're a real concept, they just don't exist because we don't How- have...
1: Well, it's not the same idea, but I'm trying to think of the name of the uh, drive where it's essentially nuclear weapons uh, with the uh, shockwave hitting against a blast plate.
0: Yeah, I know what you're talking about, but I don't know what the name of it.
1: Uh, it's not the same idea, but it uh, allows you to get a, a lot of acceleration very quickly because, you know, it's riding a shockwave. Yeah. Which I've realized, Yeah, shockwaves in space, it's, yeah, no. Uh, it's not going to be the same as you know some, doing something like that in their atmosphere, but you know it's they're still
0: there, right? But so the progression for my game is like you know late 20th century, early 21st century, you're doing things like SpaceX is doing now, supplying uh, the International Space Station and launching satellites and researching tech, and so then- this
1: is uh, basically a uh, larger version of what stable orbit is. Uh, remember, I talked about that game. Of- Well, just after the summer sale where you're at a realistic space uh, uh, station simulator.
0: Somewhat, but I want this game to be focused a lot more on the business aspect. So it starts out pretty concentrated, but uh, later on in the game, you're colonizing the moon. And because you're a private company, how do you make that profitable? Can you do mining? Can you do research? As your technology improves and you get closer to that torch drive, you're pushing out towards Mars, towards the asteroid belt. Um, And then eventually, you know, these other private companies will exist and they're trying to do the same thing and you're trying to beat them out and win the government contracts and things like that. And in my head, I'm thinking eventually you could do things like colonize planets yourself or create asteroid bases, you know, hollow out an asteroid or something. Or find one that's spinning and be able to use it for artificial gravity. Or actually, launching
1: an asteroid at your, uh, component, uh, your opponents and uh, putting them out of business the hard way.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I don't want this game to have any combat. I don't want this game to have any any of that.
1: Wait, what it's, about mining lasers?
0: Well, yeah, but not for combat. <laughs> for mining hey, rocks. You're,
1: atta- you're attacking the rock. And, I and, attack the rock.
0: Yeah, fair enough. But, you know, you so you're setting up trade routes and, and focusing on R&D, and I got so excited. I was sitting in a meeting, and, I, like, that idea popped into my head, and I, like, started taking notes, and my...
1: <laughs> and your and, boss was like, wow, you're enthusiastic about this meeting.
0: Actually, yeah, yeah. My boss was like, wow, Jared, it's, like, you're, you're all, like, on point today. And I was like, yeah, totally, absolutely. And I'm like... <laughs> I'm, like, writing down, like, SpaceX, Torch Drive, uh, trade mechanics, setting up routes, and I'm, like, combining... I I like the way that Transport Fever does it, where you set up routes, and it tells you how much time the route is going to take, and the game sort of, like, calculates, like, okay, this percentage of people or things is going to use this route, because it's, you know, this level of efficiency on your time, and the size of vehicle, and stuff like that. So I, I just Take Transport Fever And smush it up to the space mechanics Of Kerbal Space Co- Program And then set it in the real world And that's like, that's what I want That's my game pitch
1: Oh, well It's kind of funny, I have a Benzo Sim as well <laughs> we, And by the way, we did not elaborate on this so. No,
0: we didn't talk about it at all Except, hey, did you get a game? Okay, sweet, we can do that
1: But mine is taking a different direction. I was listening to my podcast today, and uh, I had one idea. And I was uh, listening to my podcast and thought, huh, what I want is kind of a combination of detective game with a business sim on top of it. Where as you're doing your uh, uh, detective work and doing your cases, you also have to manage your agency, and where I came up with this was the idea of the broke detective from Old time Radio, the uh, Pat Novaks for example, where it's someone down on his luck trying to make ends meet and just trying to get his job done and it really appealed to me and it also kind of really feels a niche that isn't there because I started looking around thinking okay, how many detective games are really out there there can and then, be.
0: There's not very no, many, No, no no, no,
1: no, no. Then I, uh, I took it one step further. How many detective games are out there where you're not playing a police detective? And I came up with Batman and Sherlock Holmes for the <laughs> most part. <laughs>
0: I mean, technically, Sherlock Holmes, he works with the police at, Yeah, all the time. Uh, but
1: that's not, but not all the time. That's the thing, is that, yes, you do have other... Uh, uh, games where you're not a policeman but they are a rarity like the Blackwell series but that's kind of a weird one to begin with and also the thing is that when you're a a private detective you don't have that force of law behind you and makes it where you're the underdog a lot more than if you're a police detective even someone like Max Payne who is a Uh, well, I know it's a bad example of a detective, but he uh, he is still a police officer. So he has that training, he has that knowledge as well. So having someone outside that idea of law enforcement, of trying to figure out what's going on, and have it where you're also trying to manage your agency, so you have to uh, manage any wounds you take during the uh, your cases. Have to you know, pay the bills. Have to put your uh, name out there. But the thing is that the flip side of that is that one of my opinions, uh, probably a little bit of a controversial opinion, is that Sherlock Holmes is kind of a bad detective in the fact that everybody knows Sherlock Holmes. Once you become a household name Unless you are a master disguise like Sherlock Holmes, you're not going to be as effective. One of the uh, radio shows I listened to uh, in the fictional universe of that show, there's the show within the show, <laughs> so everybody knows this detective by name, <laughs> so uh, he's not quite as effective at times. At other times, it works in his favor. So, you know, if you put yourself out there too much, people may know you and that changes how they act. And it's not just, you know, you do your case and it's off the screen. It's an additional aspect. Maybe point and click, perhaps. uh, That's something that uh, didn't really quite work out or something more 3D like L.A. Noir. But have it where you have to balance things. And my idea also included maybe, this is going to be a dirty word or a dirty phrase, procedural generation of the cases for general cases, but have an overarching theme or overarching story where there's an aspect of the case where maybe it's a reoccurring character, maybe it's an, a reoccurring theme to tell a more overarching story on the criminal side of things. So, what do you think?
0: I, re- I like your pitch. <laughs> I, yeah, I like detective games. I've played several, but I don't think I've ever, honestly, I don't think I've ever played a detective game where you're not a police detective. or Unless s- you're
1: playing a Sherlock Holmes game or Batman. <laughs> yeah. So I, and, and I that's really... a, another thing is that Sherlock Holmes has to be written a very particular way and that it's something that doesn't really translate very well to gaming unless you do the kind of almost cheesy now detective vision. Because the way Sherlock Holmes operates is that he's able to piece together very, very obscure pieces of knowledge. The fact that he does the shape of punch cards (laughs) or punch holes on a train uh, line for example and able to say oh you came from this particular train station because they're using a oval shape hole punch on their train tickets or he knows the type of ash from cigars or has all the different types of mud around London very highly highly specialized pieces of knowledge that doesn't translate at all to good game mechanics without a cheesy detective vision. And it's something that's very difficult to do otherwise. Yeah, Unless you make it Sherlock Holmes in name only. Which is another problem with the Sherlock Holmes games.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I
1: I like your pitch. pitch. You want to play it now, don't
0: you? (laughs) I want to play your game. I also want to play my game. I like my pitch too
1: but but i like the idea of uh sort of having to manage things as well where particularly uh, i imagine at i imagine at the beginning of the game it would be a lot tougher where you're kind of uh, in the ghetto and trying to make ends meet where if you uh, are too gun happy for example (laughs) you may spend way too much on your ammunition or you have to get yourself doctored up a lot more if you take a You get in too many fights, and that causes you to miss cases. Or the fact that you may be a little bit too low key for some missions to show up may cut out a piece of the story. It has a very interesting way to tell story, and it also comes from the fact that some of these old time detectives, the way that they handled story and the way they handled. Just the variety of cases that a person can, ha- or a particular detective can handle, was really interesting. One of my favorites is uh, Johnny Dollar, and he's an insurance investigator. Which sounds like the world's most boring job, but the, because he h- works with different agencies, he has a lot of different possibility of cases. Everything from arson to murder to very mundane, just you know, uh, helping finding a missing person. Yeah, and it's just that variety that also makes for possibly interesting stories and gameplay. But it all comes down to really game mechanics and how it handles. Yeah, or h- how it works as a game, and th- that's probably why you don't see a lot of detective games. Is that it's very hard to do a good mystery without, you know, figuring out a lot of mechanics that just have it really been developed all that well
0: yeah and also an issue with detective games is uh even if you do design a great mystery once someone does it once. one time yeah you can only play it once
1: which may be where a potential for good procedural generation comes into play granted i'm not sure if it's there yet and that's also a chicken and egg thing where they're Uh, procedural generation is mostly used as a cheap way to do a lot of landscape and very easy cookie cutter quests. There's nothing that's very, very deep in procedural generation yet. Yeah. Which uh, maybe down the line, it could uh, be broadened out to the point where uh, an entire mystery could be built around procedural generation. This is something that I wouldn't want to see come out tomorrow <laughs> without yeah. a lot of uh, hard work put into it.
0: No, definitely not. Cool. Well, this was good. That was I think we had both had two really good really good pitches.
1: I think it's hilarious that we both came up with at least some sort of business management.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we do have some overlap in the games that we like and that's one of the the areas where we have some some overlap management style stuff, so that's great. I mean, I did also come up with two others, but I'm I'm gonna hold off on those. I put them on the list uh, so that next time we do this.
1: Yeah, my original idea wasn't nearly as well cooked as uh, my detective uh, game or detective agency game, I guess. And that's something else that could uh, be an aspect of it is uh, you know expanding the agency to more than one detective. you know, having, uh, managing that as well. Yeah.
0: Coolio. Okay, well, let's move on to our next
1: topic then, which is Hidden Gems. So, from games we want to exist to games we want to, uh, people to play. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Hidden Gems is also going to be a recurring one, because both of us have several, um, so, yeah. But we're just going to pick one to talk about this
1: week. Well, technically, I'm not picking just one. Well, I'm yeah. Go- uh, yeah. I'm going to put... uh need to... There. Just so it's on the list, or on our show notes, to be able to uh, put into the show notes later.
0: Oh, yeah. I should probably... I can do that, too. Well,
1: I already uh, put mine in. Yeah, I see yours. Yeah, and it's kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, what I picked, uh, considering what I just got to talking about.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm torn between two. I don't know which one to pick. You you talk, and I'll think about it.
1: Well, mine is a Telltale game that... Hey, it's not completely a point-and-click game, which is strange for Telltale, but it's also an older game before they started turning into a licensing bill. It's Puzzle Agent, or... I guess Puzzle Agent 1 and 2. Just throw them both together because it is a continuous story. This is a point-and-click slash puzzle game about a town in Minnesota that's having some weird shit going on. And a a lot of it is built around just various puzzles. And... uh, it's a very, it's a very tough game to talk about without spoiling things because it is a lot more story heavy than what you may think. And I don't want to give too much away. It's a very surreal game. You play as Nathan, uh, no, Nathan Tether. Sorry, I had to get this her name uh, correct. And he is a puzzle researcher in the U.S. De- uh, Puzz- uh, the U.S. Department of Puzzle Research. Yes, there is a government agency for everything. <laughs> and he's sent to this town in Minnesota to figure out why a eraser factory that supplies erasers to the White House is shut down. And that's the start of the story. And things get even weirder from there. <laughs> and you're going around solving a lot of puzzles. And most of them are... Fairly logical. You do get some that require some specialized knowledge, but nothing that is too outrageous. Or at least nothing that is required to progress through the game. There are some that require a little bit of... Well, uh, probably the worst one that I could think of off the top of my head is the one that you have to figure out how these items in a uh, shop window are... Positioned, and it's based on the photo negative of that window. And these days that is kind of specialized knowledge, isn't it?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: But it's also an optional uh, or optional puzzle. So it's one of those things that, yes it is specialized, but you don't need it to get through the story. And there are two games in the series, and I do wish Telltale would make a third, but let's be perfectly honest, they're gonna they're not gonna make a third because, you know, it's not a license. Which is very, very frustrating. <laughs> oh, I kind of wish uh, Telltale didn't just turn into a licensing uh, mill. Oh, and this is also uh, has the art of Graham Annabelle? Or oh, it's not someone I know off the top of my head, but it's uh, a supposedly a well-known artist or well-known indie comic uh, artist. And yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. Cool.
1: I've got it. March is not interested on my,
0: <laughs> on, on the, on the page, but
1: it, it is fairly short. And the thing is that also it's doesn't have a lot of replay value because the only thing that you could really do is go back through and, uh, you yeah, know, improve your score it, it it plays out that uh the more time you take on a puzzle the more government dollars you use and it's yeah, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars <laughs> you know just kind of making fun of yeah, you know, government blood to begin with that's funny but the fact that you know a a, a department of puzzle research for the u.s government to begin with hmm, it, it does have a very surreal sense of humor uh a lot of people compare it to Twin Peaks, uh, which we've uh, had that kind of oddball, uh, uh, since a uh, surreal environment with uh, something like Alan Wake. This is uh, that sort of idea, only a more comedic take on it. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Well, And it is also very cheap. It's a $5 game, normally, at least the first one. Yeah. which the second one is a ten dollar game so you could probably grab both of them uh, yeah for like seven or eight bucks uh, on a steam sale yeah
0: okay well uh, i for moved Puzzle it, fans it's worth it i i moved it from not interested to on my wish list it uh it didn't look very good in the pictures but hearing you talk about it has i think uh, sold me on the concept of the game
1: well the thing is that it has a very limited animation it's uh but it's one of those things that you're not playing it for the animation. You're playing it for uh, the uh, well, the puzzles and the bit of the story and how strange it is. Right. Well, I like strange. Cool. Yeah, you hang out with me.
0: Yeah. All right. So I eventually settled on my game, uh, Bound by Flame. So Bound by Flame is an RPG that came out a few years ago uh, in 2014 and didn't really know what it wanted to be. In some ways, it's heavily inspired by Dark Souls. It's got very difficult, uh, punishing combat that, for the most part, feels fair. So, um, some areas, it, you the difficulty spikes or something like that, but for the most part, the combat feels fair. But then it tries to do the whole um sort of Dragon Age style of morality and choices and open world and there's a whole lot of side quests and not a whole lot of direction but the game has got a sense of charm it's gorgeous uh I got it as a review copy again years ago when I was doing reviews for Left Stick Down and the game is gorgeous and that was one of the things that I pointed out in my review like how beautiful it was and how well it ran even on limited hardware Uh, Because at the time I didn't have a very great gaming PC, just kind of uh, I I was running my rig with with my uh, GTX 750 Ti at that point. Um, but the game just has a real sense of charm. I love the world. It's like you're. It's basically post or like apocalyptic. Like there's these demons that are invading, and everyone so far has lost. But you find this other demon. Uh, who is more powerful and uh, the whole sort of crux of the story, as you go through is it's like how much of this demon's power do you accept in order to win out against the other demons, but thus giving up your portions of your soul. And the, the farther, like the more evil you become throughout the game to become more powerful, uh, you start to look like a demon, getting horns and scales and weird armor protrusions and things. Oh, so you body. get horny. Pretty much. But it's just, I, I, I felt like it was handled very well. I felt like the story itself was very deep and engaging. Um, it's also actually got some elements of the Witcher thrown in there. Like there's things you can do to prep for combat before to help you out, give you boosts and, um, or to weaken certain enemies and things like that. It very much encourages you to do things like scout out areas and lay traps and then draw enemies into the traps so that you have an advantage over them. And it does a really good job with the sense of scale of making you feel like a human who's fighting at sometimes these giant, you know, skeleton monsters or dragon-like creatures or just in general, like, giants. They will fuck you up in one or two hits if they get you. But the combat is very satisfying. And it it allows for quite a bit of uh, variability as well. You can go sword and board. Uh, like you know you can go traditional sort of board you can use not nah, like you can do wield weapons there's a large variety of um battle axes and pole arms and pikes it's got ranged weapons as well all those are those are more secondary and then of course if you continue if as you go through the game if you continue to accept more power from the demon you get spells um, fire spells and you can summon creatures to fight for you and things like that so it's it, it it's kind of a, a, a it suffers a bit from this the whole jack of all trades master of none syndrome. Yeah, it seems
1: like it's trying to grab from a lot of things. And so
0: yeah, so it's got very parts of it that are really good and parts of it that are really bad. And so um, it's a, a at times it can be a bit jarring, but overall, I found the game to be very enjoyable. And the good parts, particularly in the storytelling and the way that they do handle sort of the morality and the way that characters respond. For example, if you take on demonic powers, they start to become unsettled. And it's like, well, I mean, I'm following you, I guess, because we need to take out the other demons, but I don't like it. And there's one character that if you take on too much demonic influence, he's like, you know, we need you to finish this quest and save the world. But afterwards, I'm fucking killing you because you're a demon. So, I'm only mostly a demon. It's just the, the story elements were so good in my mind that it overcame the pitfalls that existed within the combat system. But the combat system also had plenty of opportunities where I felt like it sh- it shined and did well. Uh, I think Dark Souls Light is probably the best way to describe the combat system. Because it, it very clearly is most influenced by Dark Souls. Uh, a but, very
1: slow, weighty combat.
0: Yeah, very slow, weighty combat. But there's other aspects in there that allow you to mix it up if you really don't like the Dark Souls style of combat. So, definitely, I think, a hidden gem. And, I mean, it's it's got mixed reviews on Steam, so I think that's another sort of justifier of it. Like, eh, a lot of people didn't like it, so you might have missed it, but I really liked it.
1: Yeah, mine is pretty well-reviewed on Steam, but the thing is it's also an early Telltale game, and it's one of the few not- Pure point and clicks outside of things like Poker Night, the inventory, and well, there are other poker uh, games. Uh, Puzzle Agent is pretty much the only non pure point and click. Well, until Telltale is turned into this oddball genre of its own where it's not point and click, but it's you know, it's not a walking simulator either. Yeah, but you know, if uh, you play one, it you're pretty much able to say, yeah, that's a Telltale game. Or (laughs) it's just, oh, Life is Strange. One of the two.
0: Yeah. So, that's my pick for uh, Hidden Gem slash underrated type of game.
1: Yeah, mine as well.
0: Sweet. Well, then that wraps us up on this general topic again this will be a repeating topic sometimes whenever we need to fill a little bit of time uh so our next topic is we're just going to go straight to community corner unfortunately i have to drive which i mentioned at the beginning of the episode get very early and drive very far and i'm not 100 percent sure where i'm going this week so i'm building a little extra time into my drive just to make sure i don't get lost and miss this place so we're gonna cut today a little shorter than usual and, yeah, uh, but
1: we'll put the topic we're cutting on the short list for our next episodes because sure. it, it's summertime. So unless, yeah, you know, somebody absolutely goes batshit insane again and uh, starts issuing DMCA takedowns, which to be fair, she's still doing it. By the way,
0: <laughs> I know. It's not like that.
1: It's not like that saga's ended. We could continue talking about that for like the next month.
0: Yeah, we could get a little more. A little more time out of that one. Um, but anyway, so yeah, we'll just move straight to Community Corner. And what do we have this
1: week, sir? Oh, first, uh, that email in the inbox. Right, right. Uh, I mean, that is Community.
0: It is, it is. So we received a Patreon pledge, I don't know, what do you call it, boost, bump up? Upgrade. Upgrade from our dear friend Cube. Uh so thank you very much, sir, for continuing to support us on Patreon. Um we really need to set down and go through the tiers some. We've got something else which we haven't mentioned yet that we're working on too. Uh and I was gonna be working on that, but then everything went helter skelter with my job. But
1: Yeah, it turns out, yeah. Uh things go absolutely batshit when uh what how much of the office has been fired at this point?
0: Uh like ninety two percent of it. Specifically, 92%.
1: So, it is literally just you with a Newton's cradle. Pretty much. (laughs) And half a couch. The other half has been fired for inappropriate... (laughs) Inappropriate conduct. No, 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 no. Inappropriate contact with a client. (laughs) Somebody sat on
0: it. Touching it on the ass. (laughs) Um... (laughs) <laughs> Anyways, yeah, so Cube is is now giving us more money and he hit one of the tiers that we have that we should that we need to take a look at, but
1: Yeah, but uh, we're still going to do that at least for him.
0: Yeah, for him. So we'll uh we'll be sending and, you and, some and
1: and if we uh redo it to do something else, we'll, we'll include him naturally. Yeah. Uh, so
0: Cube, we're gonna send you, I guess, our list of general topics, that'd probably be the easiest way to do it, and yeah. just let well, you pick uh, one. Probably
1: not, yeah, probably not the full list, but, but narrow it down some, because there's some that require some heavy research here. Yeah, but we'll let you and, pick and es- one. And especially with you, uh, having, a, you know, a life.
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll let you pick one, and we'll do it on the show. Also, I think we would accept you sending us in a topic that you want us to cover, just please allow us maybe a couple of weeks if it's something that requires research or something like that. I mean, we would... Also, we would love more topic suggestions from people in general. Um, we loved Jim's topic that he said
1: in about the value of games. Yeah, which uh, that was also a question of the week content, what, three weeks ago now? Uh, I don't remember, but sure. Three weeks sounds <laughs>
0: Sounds good. Sounds good, good enough. So, yeah. Thank you very much, Cube, for giving us Giving us some, some monies I like the monies But we do have a couple of projects That we're we're working on That we'll be spending that money on So Hooray
1: Hooray money yeah, And not all of it's uh, hookers in blackjack
0: <laughs> Yep We also spend some of it on slot machines And uh, video poker
1: Hey uh, video poker's uh, rigged Don't do that <laughs> Or at least find the good ones You know
0: Right, right.
1: <laughs> All right, so uh, question of the week then?
0: Right, question of the week.
1: The question of the week was uh, I had a little bit of inspiration from uh, our love of Wheatley, but uh did the inverse. Who is your most hated minor character in a video game? Uh, Jim. Hey, cousin, want to go bowling? <laughs> Oh, never before have I wanted to punch a character in the throat so much. <laughs> Indeed, All right, that's my uh, take on Roman. I I could understand him being so damn clingy, but yeah, yeah. I, I wish there was a. Well, actually, there was that one mission where Nico was talking about how he's too busy <laughs> in uh, GTA Four.
0: Yeah, I actually like Roman. Uh, in the the story context, but, I mean, I hate the system where everyone calls you and is like, hey, you wanna go hang out? It's like, no, leave me alone.
1: Well, I think I think the problem with GTA is the time scale on that, where you know what is it, like, 15 minutes for a day? So, if they try to do a realistic, you know, someone touch base with you a couple times a, a week, yo, know, that's, yo, know, within an hour, they're calling you two or three times. Yeah. And they also have, oh, how many characters is there that do that? Five? Yeah, it's
0: all of the side characters that you can interact with for me. Uh,
1: and also, isn't there, uh, uh, if you get past a certain point with uh, your potential girlfriends, they also do that as well?
0: Yeah, they want to go on dates.
1: So if you start building up those, oh boy, you start get, getting your phone to ring off the damn hook. Uh, metaphorically speaking, of course, because it is a cell phone. Yeah. Okay, so Kyle. A youngster Joey from Route 30 in Pokemon Gold and Silver. I know he's a meme now, but uh, he called more often than Roman in GTA 4. Which, I didn't even realize that's a meme. Yeah, I I've didn't seen even, it. I didn't even think of Youngster Joey in probably two yeah uh, uh, close to two, two, two decades now has it been since uh, uh, Pokemon Gold and Silver. That was the that was the last Pokemon game I really spent a lot of time with now that I think about it as well. Pokemon Gold and Silver.
0: Uh, 1999 in Japan and the year 2000 in America.
1: So getting up there, huh? Yeah. Cl- close enough. I mean, I said close to two decades. I knew it was around 2000. Yeah, it's getting, getting close to 20 years. Damn, I feel old. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's what I didn't even realize was a meme. Yeah, I've seen it
0: on Reddit here and there a few times.
1: And let's see, we also have Melz. Can't decide between Counselor Yundala and that bitchy reporter from Mass Effect series. At least you can punch the reporter.
0: <laughs> Damn straight, I punched the reporter. That's Multiple probably... Times. That's probably the only decision I never did any differently ever. I always punch the fuck out of that reporter.
1: Yeah. I mean, I can't think of a reason not to punch the reporter, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Oh. For me, it has to be Bazora (laughs) Bazora. You're the grand champion!
0: Yep. For anyone who doesn't know what rage is referencing that is the adoring fan you get when you become the grand champion of the arena in Elder Scrolls Oblivion
1: yeah and it seemed like every time I was in town I would take a shortcut through the arena district and I would run into him until you know, I got annoyed and I can't recall if I just killed him outright if I left him in that one cave with all the undead oh wait that's all the caves of uh, in Oblivion I, I if you ever saw the documentary about Oblivion, there was one guy that said that, I really like the undead I like to use them everywhere. Well, turns out he designed, you know, like half the game. (laughs) Yeah, Or if I just put him in an Oblivion gate and closed it. One of those. I may have just uh, paralyzed him and knocked him off the mountain as well because that was always a fun option.
0: I, I usually put him in an Oblivion gate and then once the gates were closed, his dead body would show up. Although a couple of times he lived and he would just be standing in a field. And you'd walk up to him and he's like, oh, there he is. But most of the time he died if you left him in an Oblivion Gate.
1: To be fair, he was good for target practice. Yo, he, he was my guinea pig as well for various spells. Yo, back when you were actually able to make spells in an in a Elder Scrolls game. Yes, I know, crazy, making custom spells. Ooh, I take shit. What, well, I'm not bitter at all?
0: Definitely not bitter at all. Uh, cool. Uh, was that everybody and then yours, or did you... Okay, I wasn't yeah. sure if you finished or if you just jumped in. Uh, mine is Slippy Toad from Star Fox. Specifically Star Fox 64, because that's the one I played the most. Um, and Slippy is also sort of a cliche at this point. But God, Slippy was annoying and useless. And, and always wrong. And always, yeah. Well, that was Peppy who uh, told you originally to do a barrel roll. Which, it's not a barrel barrel roll, it's an aileron roll. Guys, it's aileron roll. But, to be fair, barrel roll sounds way better. And that's probably what they were going for, was what sounded better.
1: Or maybe it was the proper maneuver at some point. Yeah. But, yeah, Slippy's just terrible.
0: Save me, Fox! Get this guy off me! Ah! It's like, just die already, Jesus.
1: Okay, gaming confession. Which, this could be a good uh, general topic at some point as well. Gaming confessions.
0: (laughs) Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned.
1: I've never played a Star Fox game.
0: That's fine, you're not missing much. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, wow I, I think those are fighting words for uh, you know, a good uh, gaming subset
0: <laughs> I mean I really enjoyed the Star Fox games as a kid but I've gone back and played them and they're just I mean you know you fly your ship you're, What's the what's the type of game called I mean the screen comes at you and you just maneuver your ship around and you shoot shoot them up yeah I guess it's a shmup it's a 3D shmup I guess that's. I mean, that's all it is. the The later Star Fox games, in my opinion, were way better than Star Fox sixty four and the original Star Fox. The ones that basically made Star Fox into a uh, an an RPG and and.
1: Well, I, I was about to say. I, I was about to say what a porn object.
0: <laughs> yeah, no. Where you get out of your ship I, and you conf- go. You confuse
1: some uh, young kids about their sexuality.
0: Oh man, Star Fox is probably what got me into like liking that sort of stuff honestly. I can't I I can't remember her name. It's been years and years since I played it, but the the girl fox that you find on a planet and then like <laughs> oh boy. She, she joins your team and becomes your girlfriend. Like she's fucking hot. Absolutely that game played into me. Like uh, I
1: guess you're saying she's Foxy?
0: Yeah, she's Foxy. But yeah, the, I mean, in my opinion, the better Star Fox games are the ones that were basically RPGs with a Star Fox skin. So, yeah, fighting words, I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah, but aren't you going to pre-order the, uh, the the SNES Classic so you can play Star Fox 2?
0: No, I don't, I don't give a shit about that. <laughs> Star Fox 64 did have some... Uh, three dimensional levels, but there were only a few of them and they weren't as good because the the console just wasn't powerful enough to put a bunch of stuff on screen. So when things weren't coming at you in patterns and waves and they were more free flying, there's a lot less stuff to interact with, so the game wasn't as fun.
1: I just wanna know whether they're gonna release the other games between Star Fox two and Star Fox sixty four. I mean that's a lot of numbers missing. It is a lot of
0: numbers missing.
1: Yeah, get on it, guys.
0: I mean, they're trying to (laughs) catch up with Super Mario, you know.
1: Yeah, but Mario's not even a character anymore. He's a hat and a mustache. He's a parasite.
0: Let's be fair. Mario was always just a hat and a mustache to me.
1: True. But now he's become, like, the world's easiest cosplay. I mean, you could be any character now and put on a Mario hat and a, and a, mus- and a porn mustache and be Mario <laughs> possessing something else. I mean, the fact that we now live in a world where Mario can possess a photorealistic dinosaur. Or is that just Yoshi in 4K?
0: <laughs> oh, That's good. That that was good. Uh, that, that,
1: that's a stolen joke, of course, but still... <laughs> Uh, I've seen uh, people doing the yeah retrospectives, you know, uh, characters throughout the ages, uh, Mario uh, doing that, and then and it does uh, Yoshi, and <laughs> it shows the, the Mario Odyssey dinosaur. Poor Yoshi. Well, to be fair, Yoshi doesn't have a good existence anyway. Isn't his entire existence just to do a double jump off of uh, some uh, otherwise... Uh, insurmountable pits
0: yeah yep that's Yoshi's existence and the poop eggs and be cute I love Yoshi's Island bring ha
1: yeah I never really played well I never uh, I, well I didn't have a Super Nintendo so I missed uh, a lot of that nostalgia and, and we're running into that uh, general topic that we decided to cut
0: we are that's okay Fine, we'll just ignore right. that and move on.
1: Yeah, we do have one tweet, which I think is an answer to a question that we from last week. Maybe uh, from chemist dishonored, honor for all gets a lot of flack, but I thought it was pretty good. Nothing as good as Plants vs Zombies though, which I'm pretty sure he's answering uh, favorite end uh, credits song. Which gotta admit that the uh, Plants vs Zombies, uh, Zombies on my lawn. Or zombies on your lawn, I should say, uh, is almost an unfair pick because it is uh, Laura Shiragama and she's awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I don't know who she is, but
1: uh, she did the, uh, the soundtrack to oh uh, shoot, now, uh, a, a game club game that we did not too long ago. And <laughs> Now I'm bl- I'm blanking on our na- on the name of the game club game, so I just gotta go to the game club list and wait for it to load. Out uh, to the Moon, of course. She did the soundtrack to that.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. Nice. All right. It was just, I, I didn't want to say the wrong thing. It's like, oh, oh, and it was our second Game Club game. Yeah.
0: Great game. All right. Cool. What all now?
1: Yeah, and if you wish to uh, join the discussion, you can email us vglponcast at gbl.com or just tweet us, BGO Podcast, on the Twitter.
0: Right. So now, it's time to go do our Steam Discovery Queue. Yep. I can't remember who said it, so I'm just going to go... Uh, music. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. And
1: I yeah, I'm immediately get uh, Foxhole, which is the early access to, uh, release of a game that I had on my... Uh, games to look out for for this year. This is a, a MMO, uh top down sh- or, or top down or isometric shooter, depending on uh, your terminology of this. Where it's think of it as a, essentially a 2D planet side in World War II. That's probably about the best way I could describe uh, this. It looks very interesting, but it runs into the whole chicken and egg problem of it's an indie um, multiplayer shooter. Yeah. And I'm not sure just how many players are playing it, and i um, quickly looking at it on uh, my Chrome so I get my Steam numbers. Oh, but it has a good player base. It has 2700 playing right now. Yeah. So, it, so it's definitely overcome the initial issue of uh, indie games.
0: Yeah, I've played it a few times, but it was still in its pre-alpha state where you had to I think stand Yeah, it up looks for it. a lot better now. <clears throat> I mean, I enjoyed what I played, but it was very very yeah, know, bare bones.
1: Yeah, and it's given me this because I played Company of Heroes and War Thunder. So, that's my first one, and I have a second one right away. <laughs> well, that's good cuz so far my list is just shit. Uh, My second one, it's not for me, of course, but it's for you. Dream Daddy, a dad dating simulator. (laughs) Yeah. Isn't it a gay dad dating simulator? Yes. Yeah. So even more for you, right?
0: That's already on my wish list.
1: Uh, And the thing is, I saw this on the upcoming games on my review site and thought little of it, but it seems like it's a lot higher quality than what... I initially thought it was going to be then again, you know, just looking at it and not li- really looking in depth on it, it's uh, kind of easy to just write it off. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard nothing
0: but good things about this game from the people that I trust most to review visual novels and dating sims for me.
1: Yeah, it's supposedly a uh, pretty high quality if you're yeah, if you're not don't mind, yeah, you know, a bunch of gay dads, <laughs> and that's the- I think that's gonna be the hang-up for some people.
0: Yeah. But I but love those, gay uh, dads. But,
1: well, of course you do. <laughs> and- oh, I guess I should say why Dream Daddy is on here, it's highly reviewed and that's about it. It doesn't account for, you know, the massive amount of uh, visual novels in my uh, library, I guess.
0: Yep. Well, I'm actually uh, in the uh, middle I, of my second queue, and I still have got nothing. This all looks like, like, Steam Direct, Steam Greenlight trash.
1: Huh, I got an interesting one. I'm not sure if this is going to be any good, but Citadel Forged with Fire. This is a online RPG sandbox game. I mean, uh, but, you know, it's more fantasy-based and, uh it has dragons, it, it, uh, it, it looks a little bit better than most of the Vogue standard sandbox survival games. Granted, you know, it is mixed reviews, so I'm not sure if it's just the fact that it's early access, so it's the, it's going to have issues or what, but uh, it looks interesting. And it's suggested being this because of Shadow of Mordor and uh, Windward. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I'm clicking through some more. Oh, what is this? Have you gotten anything yet? Nope, I'm in my third queue. Am I going to have to do uh, three queues to catch up now?
0: (laughs) No, you're getting good stuff. You're getting getting good stuff. Well, seemingly interested stuff. I'm not sure how interested I'd be in your things, but...
1: At least with that attitude, right? This is just like... Really like bee simulator, be a bee. Uh, um, I, I, yeah, I've seen that one before. Uh, Tacoma, oh, Tacoma, uh, t- yeah, it's a sci fi narrative adventure set aboard a high tech space station in the year 2088. It has a very interesting art style that I'm not sure about, but it, you know, it's one of those things that it looks interesting so. I'll add it to the wish list. Yeah, Tacoma.
0: I've I've heard good, good things about Tacoma. Like people who've had, had who had gotten early looks at it and stuff. It's it's been on my radar for a while now.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty much through my queue. I'm skipping a couple things that look somewhat interesting, but I you know, don't want to go too deep into them because I've already gotten quite a few things. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. What, well, are you on, like, Q5 now? I'm in the middle of my fourth Q. I really... I am joking about that.
0: I really have just gotten a whole bunch of garbage. I mean, I'm five. How many F1 games have you seen?
1: So far, none
0: of them.
1: I still can't believe I got, what was it, three F1 games? Four? Yeah. This looks interesting. This is my last one. Uh The... It has some real pedigree behind it. Um, um, it's from Ninja Theory. Hellblade, Sunya's Sacrifice. It looks absolutely beautiful. I'm gonna... There's a link for you. Yes! Uh, Something! from 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 the makers of Heavenly Sword, Enslaved Aussie to the West, Devil May Cry, comes a brutal journey into myth and madness. Set in the Viking Age, a broken Celtic warrior embarks on a haunting vision quest. This looks very interesting. This is coming out in a few days. And it's a $30 game, so it's not even uh, a full-price AAA game, and it has some really shocking visuals to it. Take a look at those screenshots, Jared. Okay.
0: What do we got here? Oh, that looks nice.
1: Yeah, see, why well, I, I kind of stopped, uh, especially that first screenshot with uh, the main character uh, on a boat. Yeah. That's
0: I mean, gorgeous. Just look, at that,
1: look at that water. That is, I I've realized looking at screenshots of an audio podcast, excellent podcasting material. Well, the last screen, well, the
0: last screenshot, though. That's some really great-looking facial details and animation. The eyes look now, believable. Now the question
1: is, is this gameplay footage or cutscene footage? Yeah.
0: Also, are these, uh, bullshots. shots? Bull shots.
1: Still, that's, uh, the, that uh, looks the, gorgeous. The, the third to last with the close-up of the, uh, well, I'm assuming a girl? Yeah, that, I would assume female. I, I mean, that's, that's a very feminine-looking face. Yeah. But the, uh... Uh, the makeup on her forehead and uh, across the her ah was just uh, done very well. Well, it looks like ash actually you know yeah that's that's gorgeous. Out of that whole picture,
0: the teeth are the only thing that seem a bit off to me.
1: Yeah, but it could just be, you know, a screenshot. Yeah. yeah. But but look at the eyes, uh, the life in them. That, yeah. That's one thing, is that eyes are very tough to do in a video game. You get that kind of dead-eye look. But it's just that a uh, little bit of light in.
0: Also known as Andromeda eyes.
1: No, that's Dirt Face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but that was my last Discovery Q item, and that's a, that's a winner if just from the pedigree that uh, of the yeah you know, uh, the studio yeah I'll put that on my wish uh, list i, I And Slate Odyssey of the west is it's an odd game as well yeah uh,
0: so I finally found one that looks interesting enough for me
1: oh dear god <laughs> I, i'm, I'm ju- I, just, I just i just I just see the name of this. Yep, deep
0: space waifu. It is a shmup, but it's a strip em up instead of a shoot em up. I guess I would make it a stump, stimp, strip them up. Stimp. That is
1: one huge ass.
0: But uh, it's like it's using like shmup principles, but you shoot the girls on the screen and their clothes fall off, and you have to avoid the enemies to see the naked animu girls. And this this is the best thing that I've gotten in my entire queue like honestly if i was having a normal queue i might have even skipped this because it looks real bad
1: wow no no i went to the uh to the uh steam uh uh group or the steam uh uh screenshots just to see how uh, explicit they get and damn yeah and it, uh, huh here's something uh, Uh, They must have an uh, adult patch because there's some that are very explicit, and then there's some that are sans
0: nipples.
1: (laughs) I mean, if you're going to have a strip-em-up game like that, I I imagine this has to be, you know, just uh, how Steam handles things. You know, it's, uh... uh, Steam will allow games like this, but only if they... uh, Yeah, it has... They have a new patch.
0: Of course. Well, good. Uh, th- that's, they'll, that's they'll, what
1: they'll, I want. They'll, they'll allow a game like this, but they won't allow it to be sold with nipples unless you have a, a a patch or some sort of DLC. It's so weird that Steam does it like this, and that's how they get around being family-friendly. Because, yeah, you know, a 13-year-old kid will see this and not think, Gee, I wonder if they'll have uh, something to add the nipples or uh, add the pussy. Yep. Uh, it's just uh, I think Steam really needs to figure out are they going to allow this full board without uh, censorship or are they going to uh, lock down their store to, you know, rather sexy games? And the thing is they've made their game, their store more and more and more open. I think it, we know where it's going. It's just they're reluctant to take that final step. Yeah. So, is that the only game you've gotten
0: in four lists? That's the only game I've. Gotten I'm almost tempted worth to make mentioning.
1: you do. I'm almost tempted to make you do a fifth.
0: I'll do a fifth list if you want.
1: <laughs> See if you actually get something decent. I mean, I don't think you've gone through all of uh, the Steam store yet. No. I think i just hit one of those points where
0: it's like, all right, well, we're gonna give you some shit now. Just gonna give you some garbage. Still giving me garbage. Four games in.
1: And for garbage for you is quite the statement. Uh, ooh! Okay. Yes. Happiness.
0: Solar uh, Settlers. A car-driven space exploration strategy game set in the far future.
1: Okay, well, uh, give me a link.
0: Yep. Right, Getting it right now. There you go. This game is on my list because I've played Tharsis, Galactic Civilizations 3, and other things. It says you already have this game. I assume a yeah, review was, copy.
1: Yeah, I was about to say. Wait a minute, this looks familiar. <laughs> yeah, review copy.
0: I'll put in for a review copy too. Who knows? Might get it. But it looks looks pretty nifty.
1: I'm a, I'm I'm up for that. Yeah, that's one thing that I'm a little shocked that hasn't really been expanded on is card based games that aren't, you know, Hearthstone, or aren't the multiplayer CCGs taking the card uh, and deck building elements and putting them into like an RPG I mean I've seen a couple things uh, like that but never really expanded upon you know?
0: Yeah So after that, the next four games so far have been they look like they belong on new grounds
1: Uh oh, I gotta live Steam Direct, huh? and that's
0: another cue yeah so two games and five cues
1: yeah you can see why i uh, felt like i did counseling after uh, signing for review copies huh
0: yeah
1: cuz yeah there's a lot of bad shit coming out and the thing is i'm not sure if it's going to get better or worse probably I mean, to worse to be fair th- there i'm looking at uh The recent re- releases. Uh, there's one called "Hold My Beer," and watch this. No, no, uh, they don't have the subtitle. That's the se- That's the sequel. It's literally just yeah. Uh, sim. Uh, it's a VR simulator that of doing stupid shit. Sounds boring. Oh, well, to be fair. VR experiences like that you know, oh boy this is going to probably get me in trouble with at least one person the fact that a game is in VR tends to set the bar a little lower on expectation for at least some players because there's just not that much out there for VR yet so yeah. you're more uh, I think people are more willing to play something that's Less than great, because your options are limited still. Right. I wonder how much trouble I'm getting in right now. Who knows? It's fine. Who knows? Maybe I'll prompt an email.
0: (laughs) I hope so. All right. Well, that wraps up our discovery queue. I'm not going through another queue. (laughs) (laughs) Which that brings us to the portion of the podcast where I always go first. And talking about my stuff and things. And if you want to see my stuff and things, you can do so over on YouTube by searching for Gaming Psychologist. I've got. What several... they allow that on YouTube? Yeah, they do. I've got several videos uh, up and queued. It's uh, Divinity and Strays as a Pretzel and things like that. So just my my usuals uh, as I plow through uh, more work related issues although hopefully those are behind me and things can get back to being a little more I don't know exciting and interesting my sub count is still over 100 it's like 105 I think today it's, or maybe 104 I don't know I can't really be asked enough to go look so it's there and that makes me happy uh, and I got my own custom URL, youtube.com slash C, for some reason, I don't know what the C's there for, slash gaming psychologist. Well,
1: can't you just put, uh, you yeah, know, have it, uh, go for the Mexican uh, <laughs> version of the, or something. <laughs> <laughs> L, oh. L. Um. Yeah. Uh, well, I was blanking on it, it's like, wait, 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 I, I'm going with this jug uh, because I know it's a letter, but I'm blanking on it, from trying to talk. Yeah, well, fuck it.
0: anyways yeah so youtube.com slash c slash gaming psychologist you can also if you want to follow me on twitter you can do so at jma4707 a tweet about all kinds of things only which 75 percent of them give or take are political mostly give um
1: uh, per, especially lately
0: <laughs> if you want to watch me stream games on twitch you can do so over at twitch.tv slash jr34707 Uh, That should be back to normal this week. Last week, we had to take the week off so that Rage and I could uh, catch up. Or not catch up, but get ahead on some recording stuff. Because next week, my kid is having surgery. Uh, It's minor stuff. tonsillectomy, But uh, they are worried about a couple of complications just because of drug allergies that run in my family. So we're just to be safe. We're taking the day off. uh, And not going to record that night. So... I'll I'll post on Twitter that it, when everything's okay, for those of you out there who I know will be concerned, uh, and I do appreciate Wait, your. we're con- supposed to be
1: concerned? I, I'm joking. I'm joking.
0: <laughs> I do I do appreciate your concern and your love for the small version of me that I made a few years ago. He's quite adorable. Most of the
1: well, time. Uh, well, they they look at it this way: the 2.0 version can't be worse. <laughs> That's what you think.
0: <laughs> also, not with that attitude. Um
1: but, well, uh well I am factoring uh yeah at least a portion of Katie as well.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh <laughs> but yes, Twitch streaming. Once again, twitch.tv slash jarthur4707. I also appear on another podcast, which I briefly mentioned earlier in my YouTube stuff that's straight as a pretzel. I do it with our very own chemists here. It usually premieres on Mondays, uh whenever we're able to record. We're on a a less set recording schedule right now, so.
1: I'll oh, say that's what happens when you have, uh, what is it, eight, nine hours between your time zones?
0: Yeah, it's like eight, but when daylight savings is gone, it's nine, and then he has daylight savings at some point, I think it's weird.
1: Yeah, then you have to break up the decoder rings to figure it out, and.
0: But anyways, it goes up on most Mondays at uh, straight, Pretzel.wordpress.com, I think is the website uh, or on Twitter at straight pretzel also if you want to be my friend on Steam you can send me a friend request my username is jarthur4707 I accept all friend requests and still the streak is unbroken everyone who adds me as a friend is always super nice and cool and I like talking to and playing games with super nice and cool people
1: and if you wish to let them know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from the password for this week is Dalmatian. <laughs> it's good. Dalmatian. <laughs> well, for me, well, obviously this week, since I talked about it, new uh, series going, well, actually is already love The Incredible Adventures of Van Helsing 3. I will admit that at least the beginning of the uh, series is not exactly as... Impactful as I was hoping, but I'm hoping that yeah, you know, as the story picks up and this is the final chapter of the story, that gets more interesting. Then again, this is my content, so there you go. Ah, uh, let's see, Rim uh, World, Rim World, Rim World. Yeah, it is resetting. This is the final week of Alpha Sixteen. My episode count for it was one hundred. 17 episodes of alpha seven or, or alpha 16 and the series should end uh just well uh, 12 hours after this podcast goes live oh which means that new setup going on i had a failed recording session on my first attempt on alpha 17 mostly, uh, due to a cat just yelling in the background that I didn't hear with my headset on, and also, it wasn't a particularly good start to begin with, so, instead of struggling and trying to salvage, I'm just gonna try recording again tomorrow night. And, of course, that means all names are back in the list, and I already know who my first three are. You know, I I actually have a question. I, I want your opinion on this, Jared. Okay. Since... Be Cool is paying us... A, a, a fair amount of money. Do I move him up the list... or do I have to remove him the, from the list... so I stop killing him?
0: You move him... up the list... so he appears more... but you give him a shittier job.
1: Well, what's Groove gonna do then? Die. Yeah, but th- if he does... that, he can't whine about hauling. <laughs> matter of fact... I specifically added a mod So that even if he shows up And and incapable of uh, of hauling He could still haul It removes the incapable And makes it hated (laughs) So you can imagine what Groove's gonna be doing
0: Maybe we could somehow Convent, use this as a way to convince Groove to give us money on Patreon (laughs) I don't know how We're gonna figure that out but I'm a therapist So I'll just psychology That shit
1: no no I have it Uh, I installed a mod for uh, that has hauling robots every single one of my hauling robots are going to be named after him that would work (laughs) of course if he shows up on my name list uh, thankfully I have the list right here let's see where is Groove on here Groove is pretty far down the list yeah, uh, maybe. Yeah, uh, you know, I can name all my hauling bots after him and not be confused when I see a bunch of grooves running around. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you know, it's nothing to figure out. Anyway, Rimworld's resetting. I need to do some of the uh, work for that, which means setting up the new thumbnail, uh, uh, well, template, and also writing out all the mods for the mod list because there's a few. Let's put it this way: I mod it till it breaks, and I dial it back a little bit. Unfortunately, I had to ditch the psychology mod. It was, it was having some weird interactions. So sorry, Jared. Nah, it's okay. It's a very interesting mod. It's just it has some odd interactions with a few things that I really wanted to use. And let's see, and of course, Divinity still ongoing. I mean, I mean, there. What else is there to say on that, right? The venue's probably going to go through the end of the year,
0: probably. But we're still enjoying it, so that's good.
1: Yeah, a little confused about the story at this point because you know we've had two major stoppages. <laughs> I think we should have took notes as we played, right?
0: Yeah, I'm not really having struggling. I'm sure well, I forgot some incidental yeah, details, but
1: yeah, yeah, it's more. Yo, know, why are we here again? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I've had had that yeah once or twice. It's like, wait a minute, who? who oh, right, that character. Yeah, I almost forgot about that. But yeah, all of that and the Sunday Sampler, which hopefully will be a better game this time around. But i um, not counting on it. Appears on my channel, Gaming with Caffeine Rage or Gaming with Rage, if you wish to just use the URL directly. And if you were to see me tweet somewhat randomly about well I think my last non uh linked up tweet was me bitching about a cat uh, ruining your world and before that the English with the uh, end of the bluetooth uh speaker saga <laughs> hey if your spe- if your bluetooth speaker has a heating phenomenon don't worry it's normal <laughs> uh you find all that over at gaming with c r which means we are at the end of the show. Once again, if you wish to contact us, uh, our email is vglpodcasts at com. with your voice le- voicemails, letters, game-related topics, general topics, or just, you know, what Jared could do with himself. Because oh. I'll blame him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I like that idea, but I'm not sure they will.
1: Oh, or you just tweet us uh, those ideas, even though I have a feeling Twitter may censor some of that. VGL <laughs> uh, Podcast on Twitter. If you wish to help t- pay for this absolute madness, well, well, we do thank you for that, and you can d- do so over at Patreon, patreon.com slash VGL Podcast. And our RSS feed can be found at vglpodcast.podbean.com with the show notes, or you can just find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. Or wherever Jared decides to stick it. And also the podcast as well. Our intro downtro music is On the Ground Back, Kevin McLoyd, and our Discovery Key music is Doobly-Doo. Wait for... <laughs> uh, there we go.
0: <laughs> oh, I love that that still makes me chuckle sometimes.
1: <laughs> Uh, also by Kevin McLeod you can find his work and in Computech.com until he goes absolutely insane with DMC takedown notices
0: indeed and as always you can oh well (laughs) I messed it up up. I messed it up (laughs) take two and as always as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice (laughs) bye bye now
1: (laughs) And that makes me laugh way too much. (laughs) Bye-bye. It's been a night of uh, just loud noises. God, God, that is
0: so loud. That's that's louder than usual.
1: Yeah, that's a very energetic train. Now I imagine that's going to be franken content, huh?
0: (laughs) At this point, I usually do. If it's a short one, I leave the train, and if it's long, I usually just rip the whole thing out. And
1: I would say rip that, delete
0: it. Yeah. Also, goodbye, children.
1: Bye bye. Uh, I have a feeling they need an adult after that. See
0: yourselves out the door, little children.
1: Are you doing your Michael Jackson impersonation now? I'm going to jail for being a pedophile. (laughs) Hee hee. (laughs) <laughs> well, at least it's not the Bill Cosby.
0: <laughs> Zip, zap, zippity, zoo. Oop, dop, doo doo I don't have as good no. of a...
1: And now we just uh, insert the Bill Cosby Cowboy Bebop uh, <laughs> music here. All right. Or have you or have you never heard that one? I haven't. But Don't worry, you're about to. All right.